This year, Halloween fell on a weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys are trick or treating. Robbing little kids for bags. Till an old man got behind our ass. So we speeded up the pace. Took a look back, and he was right before our face. He'd be in for a squabble, no doubt. So I swung and hit the nigga in his mouth. He was going down, we figured. But this wasn't no ordinary nigga. He stood about six or seven feet. Now that's the nigga I be seeing in my sleep. So we triple teamed on him. Dropping them motherfucking bees on him. The more I swung, the more blood flew. Then he disappeared, and my boys disappeared too. Then I felt just like a fiend. It wasn't even close to Halloween. It was dark as fuck on the streets. My hands were all bloody from punching on the concrete. God damn, homie. My mind is playing tricks on me. Yeah, I wish let that beat ride. Throwing it back a little old school. You feel it? That's right, baby. That was the Ghetto Boys. My mind playing tricks on me. Had it started off at the top. R.I.P. Bushwick Bill. The legend. The littlest, but yet biggest dude of the crew. We love you, man. May you rest in peace. So I want to give a quick tribute, shout out to him. But in any event, this is going to be a heartfelt one to start. It's your boy, the podcast game, Eddie Najera, the asthmatic Aztec himself. Super Mario Caballero in the place to be. This is the Puro Caballero show. How's it going? I'm doing... I'm doing okay. Life is like a roller coaster sometimes, man. It's a lot of ups, a lot of downs. And you never know what's going to happen, man. But this is the the double nickel. This is the the 55, uh, 55th episode here of the show. And thank you for joining me, man. I'm going to preface this by saying uh, smoke a little boski. And I got this uh, double IPA, this strand brewing code, double IPA. Um, yeah, and this shit's strong as fuck. Only drank, like, not a lot of it, and I'm buzzing already. So, uh, yeah, that's just ate dinner, and that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, today, just to let you know, is, uh, June the 19th, and, uh, we'll see how long I can go on this take. Batteries are low, and I don't know if I got any more, so we might have to, this might be a two-parter, we might have to finish some of it tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll play it by ear, as they do say. Uh, in uh, maybe the schools, not the streets. I don't be saying that shit. Um, yeah, it's Gucci. Mm, where do I go from here, man? Yeah, I gotta say, R.I.P. Bushwick Bill, man. That's uh, another one of hip hop's, you know, more outspoken personalities. Being a little dude, man, he was. Uh, could be seen all over the place, man. Ghetto boys, they uh, don't get their full shine, I guess. Or at least they didn't in their, maybe when they were in their prime um, in the 90s, 2000s. So uh, they uh, 
they've held it down. They've held it down for a long ass time. I think Scarface has gotten a lot of like recognition as being one of the goats, man. And so, um, yeah, man, and freaking uh, Willie Dean Bushwick, they they did their part as well too, man. They really got that uh, um, that horror rap kind of genre off and popping. They rap from Texas, um, Houston. So I mean, yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy. It's another, it's a sad, sad ending. I believe he passed from cancer, but he got diagnosed really quick and then eventually succumbed to the disease. So it's um, it's a real sad one to deal with. So we want to give a lot of um consideration and prayers, whatever you you want to call it, to the to this family. Because uh, that's, that's always a hard one to deal with. Um, he was a dude who's seen, you know, still partying it up on stage from time to time. And, uh, you know, sad to see another one go, man. Hip-hop is it's growing in age year by year. doesn't get any younger. So some of the, the OGs, man, they a lot of them are starting to, to, to leave us, unfortunately. So I got to appreciate every moment, man. That's going to be the theme of this podcast, man. Appreciate every moment. And I got to talk about this off top, too, because this is uh, something that's uh, kind of been affecting me. And we'll see how far I can kind of get through this, man. But, uh, you know, I lost another good friend as well uh, recently. Um, RP Cat. I know they, they laid it to rest today. Back home in Stockton and... Yeah, wish I could be there, but so fortunate. I know some friends that that were, so that's always the toughest. Yeah, oh, man, Kathleen. Oh man, Kathy. It's sad. It's sad. Very, very unfortunate scenario. She passed uh, a week from. Week from last Saturday, so on the eighth, I believe. So it's taking me some time to kind of sort shit out and kind of deal with my emotions, man. Because like I didn't know her for a very long period of time in my life, but she was always good people, man, and she was one of the people I enjoyed uh, enjoyed meeting through uh, my roommate VJ for the most part. We had a lot of mutual friends. We're both from the same city, but it's like, you know, sometimes you don't run with the same people. It's, it's kind of, I don't know. I feel like we've crossed paths before, too, but you know how it is. It's on to the next one. People don't remember. But, yeah, man, she a uh, good soul, man. She was a good soul. That's uh, it's unfortunate. Her and a friend were in a car accident in Sacramento. On the 50 freeway, I believe. And uh, I-50. Because they don't call it like that back there. Back home. Um, yeah, I hit a pole. Car hit a tree. Car's on fire. That's mm. a, a rough one. Rough way to go. I mean, you don't, you don't wish death on nobody, obviously. But that's... Uh, so over the top brutal one, man. You hear the details. Mm. 
it's a yeah it's a it's a it's a tough one to, to kind of sit with we learned about it like the i guess because it happened at night time we learned about it that's that next sunday and uh oof that was a tough one man tough way to commiserate man that was uh i myself was in a weird state kind of mentally at the time and i can only imagine how uh my boy vj feels because he's lost some some close friends to some auto accidents recently and that's and it's another one on the list and it's just like wow i can't i imagine what i already I already know what i'm feeling i can't imagine how how he's dealing with because they've uh they've been knowing each other for for a while man so i was there for for uh my brother when I, when he needed me, so we kind of went through it together. I ain't gonna lie, a lot of alcohol got drank. That was a way to cope at that point, man. Just try to numb the pain a bit, but it's not it's not the right way, but. I, don't, I can't say it's the wrong way either, but everybody's got their way of kind of grieving, and I don't know, man. You see the lightness and see the darkness of certain things, man. I think alcohol, you kind of, you see a little bit of both of it, because it gets people up, but it's so depressing too, so it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a question on it necessarily I'm looking for an answer but yeah okay was cool man I just talked to her like 10 days prior to sent her some message on like Instagram or some shit it was like her birthday um yeah she was it's a good soul ah that's a it's gonna be a tough one Oof. Yeah, I've lost too many too many people of my age. Kind of my lifetime that have uh kinda of really hit me and I don't know, this is kinda of another one. Mm. Not just like a more I guess acceptable cause of death. He's always kind of like pretty violent and brutal. Ah, I didn't like a bunch of different ways. Don't really care to go through it, but yeah, it's just the one thing I've been telling myself uh, pretty much every day since kind of that news broke out is to you know, try to appreciate every moment because it's, it's fleeting. It doesn't happen twice. And to try to take the opportunities where you can because you never know if it's going to be your last one.
So I've been kind of thinking in those terms a lot recently. And uh, that's been kind of the motivating factor for me. You know, because... I don't know. There was a there was a time in my life where it's like... Just make it to a certain age and everything else is gravy. I guess that number kind of got pushed. I always thought, like, just if I can get to 21, everything else is, is fine. Because I guess, like, where I kind of came from and grew up, that that wasn't always a given for, like, people even who, you know, weren't involved in dirt or whatever. So, yeah, man, that was a big goal of mine. Kind of escaped that environment. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, yeah, it's rough when you see people, like, you run with, just, uh, not able to be with us anymore, and it's, it's like, damn, you get kind of, um, kind of live with, uh, survivor's, survivor's guilt, survivor's remorse, And I feel like I dealt with that uh, for a few years. Like, really, really difficult. Kind of when I was moved away and, like, uh, was in college already. It's just like, why them and not me type of questions and stuff like that. And I mean, your brain can go into, like, a million different places when you uh when you start thinking on those terms and you try to break it down and logically like wonder like the chances like that that could have been you in in someone else's place it's crazy man and uh that's that's not a healthy way of thinking if uh in all honesty but it's I don't know. I've uh, kind of dealt with like different bouts of depression at times, and I think I've, I've talked about it here before. But that stuff just like lingers and just doesn't get away. Even if you like, it's kind of like sap on a a window pane, like on your car. You might be able to see through it, but you can never. It takes it takes a long while for it to kind of finally get out of there. But um, yeah, it's uh, I think that like those those kind of thoughts and stuff, they just they linger with you, you carry them, and it's like when you're not, at least for me, when I was not like constantly like occupied with something or was in like you know just like kind of your brain tries to relax and downtime, I guess is that was. Those were the kind of thoughts that always kept coming back, coming back to me. And it's like, not healthy and not productive, but it just, it just kills you, like, emotionally. Yeah, I don't know if uh, people listening at home can kind of, like, relate to that. But that's just uh, 
I don't know how shit be feeling for sometimes, and it's a it's a hard thing to kind of lift yourself up out of, but you just uh, you just gotta you just can't take anything for granted. You just gotta keep moving one step at a time. You can't really plan for stuff, and shit happens. So recently, I've been trying to knock as much stuff as I can off the bucket list. So I'm working towards. Uh, doing a few more of those in the next uh, couple months because I'm just like starting to realize like I ain't got time to wait like you never know and it, it's it's so conceited and like selfish to think in these terms but I got more shit to do man it's I got more shit that I want I want to do so for me it's it's a difficult uh, cuz I'm like a lazy type of person to go always just like push stuff off to the future. And I mean there's been some, a lot of life changes for me in the last like 4 years where I you know got to the point where like man shit ain't going to be the same forever. This ain't going to be how it's always going to be. So I got to take advantage now before the tide turns, you know? Like, I'm only 27 right now, which is, like, a blessing in itself. I'm grateful for every day that I that I wake up because it's it's not a given. It's not a, a right. It's a blessing. Whatever term you want to use if you're not religious. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a tough one just kind of dealing with those losses, but... You know, there's life. It's, it's difficult, but life moves on. And they say time heals wounds, but you know those memories will, will always be there. So you just gotta cherish them. But yeah, I guess what I was gonna say before, like, I guess I'm kind of selfish in the in the fact that growing up, I always wanted to like be able to do something, so that my name would be remembered, and like kind of kind of have not be lost in time you know for one one thing or the other and it's like it's weird it's very weird thinking about it but i don't know why i felt like things had lined up for me to kind of excel in life in one regard or the other and when i was a little kid my main focus was like all about sports so thought you know put in the work i can not just make it, but make that Hall of Fame or some shit, you know? And uh, you grow up and you're like, damn, these fuckers are fast. Or people catch you or they're just they're just too good. Their shit happens. You get complacent, you don't put in the work, whatever. So the tide shifts. And then, okay, for me, my focus was like, all right, let me, let me do something different. So just do some sports broadcasting. And then in college... And that kind of fizzled out a bit. Kind of lost the heart for it, mostly, and just didn't didn't pursue that. Didn't push it. And for the last few years, it's been kind of like wandering ship a little bit. Where I'm just moving from job to job. I'm moving from apartment to apartment, different roommates, 
people I know, people I don't know. It's like, you know, hasn't been the best. But, uh, yeah, man, I guess since I started the show, I just have a, a little bit more sense of a direction with my life, which has been a a good outcome, I, I want to say. Got to talk to some cool people, do some cool stuff. Get into doing stand-up comedy, that's pretty cool. If I don't ever make a one-hour Netflix special, HBO, Showtime, whoever's doing it at that point. Um, that's fine. You can't expect all that when so much of the the art form is subjective. So it's kind of like making the NBA, man. There's only some of them are gonna gonna make it. Doesn't mean you still can't make a living off of it. There's a lot of good players playing in Europe. It's a lot of good players playing in in Asia. In Australia, you know, so if this ever turns into that career, then it's like, just kind of have that mentality. But if you get your, your chance at the big shot, you got to fucking take it. So, yeah, I've been, uh, <clears throat> I was able to do a few sets this weekend, which was cool. Kind of get back into the same groove because I just been all out of whack um, kind of the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been it's been a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, and we'll see where this thing lands. Um, I thought it had righted itself, but it seems like it might be a little farther off the tracks than I anticipated. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, just a lot of trying to think, a lot of positivity, and then if a negative happens, you just gotta look at the. The best side of it. Can't change it. it is what it is. Ah, you know. Sometimes the universe pushes you in certain directions to meet certain people at different particular times. And yeah, I feel like that's kinda has happened a bit. But yeah, man, this uh it's out of here. R.I.P. It's Kathy Jade. Rupert. And to the whole Rupert family, I'm sorry for greatly for your loss. This is only if this is affecting me like this, I can only imagine. It's, oh boy, I'm gonna have to drink to that one. Mm. All right. We're trying to get some to some farcical ass shit. Oh man, actually, not quite that. Yeah, we'll go over some of that a little bit later. But that's gonna be whew, down the line. We got a, a lot of shit to get to. Let's just get right to it, man. NBA Finals. We're gonna give a big shout out to the newly crowned champions of the NBA, the Toronto Raptors, and. What a final series it was. Eventful for sure. Oof, oof, oof. Wow, wow, wow. That was that was one to remember for sure. Potential end of a dynasty, potential like 
the two best players in the series might end up being on different teams next year. There was, a, like, the potential for the first NBA champion not from the U.S., which came through. No three-peat for the Warriors, so the last team to three-peat, unfortunately. Um, so I'm very scarred by what these teams did, but the L.A. Lakers in the 2000 to 2002 seasons. And, yeah, uh, finals MVP for Kawhi. That's the second one. All right, and we back. Um, yeah, what were we talking about? NBA Finals? That shit was fucking crazy. So, yeah, a lot of shit got determined. Uh, just that, uh, like, what, week and a half ago? Week ago? About a week ago? Something like that. Oh, man. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, legendary. Legendary-ass performance. Second MVP with two teams. I think you were asked hearing me talk about this. He was one of three dudes, Kareem and Wilt. Kareem did it with the Bucks and the Lakers. Will did it with the Philadelphia 76ers and the Lakers as well. And now Kawhi's got one in San Antonio and Toronto. And now well, who knows? Will he take his talents to L.A. and play for the Clip Show? I think that's the number one leading candidate. Lakers have been, have been in talks with him. So have uh, some other teams. Who else was linked to him? I can't remember, but they like, uh, I think maybe Brooklyn. They all dropped out, the, the Knicks. They all dropped out in, in his mind. So now I think it's between Toronto and going to the Clippers, which is kind of crazy. Kind of fucking crazy. But yeah. He got that shit done, and he did it injured too. The last two rounds of the of the season, he looked damn near hobbled. And if you didn't know or watch like Kawhi at certain points of of his career, you you wouldn't like if you just like seen him like these last two seasons, you wouldn't know that this dude is like got that crazy athleticism. And so like watching him perform on like a leg and a half every single night down the stretch when the team needed him the most it was damn impressive that was some real legendary playoff run type stuff that he put up in clutch moments like on the road against tough teams Philly in round two Round three against the Bucks down the fir- down o two in the first two games. Come back, sweep them all. Win four in a row, get to the finals. Lose game one. Win oh no, win game one. Excuse me, lost game two at home. But then win three and four in Oracle. Dropped the fifth at home, but then won six to say goodbye to Oracle Arena. And it was crazy, man. We talked about it a little bit last episode, the, the first few games. But, oh, my God, Fred Van Vliet 
came up so big. He was hitting all the jumpers, all of the three-pointers, banking them in, swishing them, a little bit of rimmed in. Like, he was doing it all, getting the bounce. Like, oof, man, setting shit up, playing good defense, getting some steals. He was amazing. He was a freak amazing. Marcus all played good at moments as well too. Pascal Siakam had a few games that he played and did did a lot of good stuff. I think the first game he went off off or like thirty something. Lowry had good moments. He had a few of those good games on the road. Which is pretty surprising. He's always hit or miss, so on offense at least. He's a little pit bull everywhere else. Yeah, man, Kawhi, when they needed him, he was hitting jumpers, getting to the free throw line. He was just being efficient. He was doing, like, old man Tim Duncan stuff, just being smart with the basketball, conserving his energy. He only jumped when he needed to this last, like, month of the season because he, he couldn't, like, explode and just, like, take off to go get rebounds or any of that stuff. Uh, couldn't quite get that final oomph to like dunk on somebody or hit the layup, but he drew a shit ton of fouls and got into his mid-range game, hit some jumpers that way, was able to hit some open threes, be a primary ball handler. <laughs> like, he played a little more secondary when he, after he got hurt because he was bringing the ball to court a lot of times. And he's like a small forward huge ass hands so like to be having to be able to have that skill is a pretty damn crazy yeah Danny Green didn't quite show up as much as they needed him or maybe could have expected of him so they played a lot of that Van Vliet and Van Vliet played like two times better than I think anybody thought he could consistent man that dude was, was crazy and we'll go through the obvious storylines for the Warriors, man. But got to give the, uh, the hats off to the the team that won. They, regardless of the circumstances, you got to give it to them. It's as tough as it is, shit happens, and it's like the two of the most devastating injuries happen in this particular series, with Kevin Durant going down with tearing his Achilles after coming back from. About like a month month off from basically tearing his, I guess, calf muscle. He had a calf injury. And that kind of, I don't know, led to an Achilles tear. And, oh, man, I'm seeing the image in slow motion on repeat as I saw it on Twitter. Because I didn't, when I was watching the game, I, I couldn't really tell. Oh, my God. It's... It's oh, it's devastating. Those Achilles injuries are like no joke. They're the hardest and most difficult injury to come back from in all sports. Your Achilles ligament is coincidentally is the strongest ligament in the human body. Yet, when ruptured, it is the most difficult one to to bring back to full health and strength. It is the death knell 
it has been the death knell to so many athletes in the past. So many dudes never came back from an Achilles tear. Or if they did, they were like shells of themselves. It's it's a sad one. I know like Kobe had it, Dominique, Boogie Cousins recently, and other sports I know, David Beckham. He never got got back to his to where he was with this athleticism. There's a few other players too. In football you see it all the time. Richard Sherman. Oof. Oof oof oof. It's it's a tough one. Tough, tough one to come back from. So that's like a twelve to eighteen month recovery process. So he's gonna be done all next year. He's like not gonna play. And so now it's like that changes the equation for what he might consider in free agency. At least in a lot of people's minds. Talking about dealing with the, the training staff and having the same environment there. So some people are more optimistic that he might resign with the Warriors now. He's got the underdog mentality of like, I'm going to you know, come back, back from the stronger and still be able to lead a team all the way. And we'll see if that happens. He's freaking so talented, so good. I think he'll he'll still be still he'll find ways on offense. It's his rebounding and his defense that I think I'm really the most concerned about. He is such a unique player, and you really hate to see it happen to to somebody like that. It's just, that's a devastating one. I mean, the other guy that had it, Boogie, he was just barely getting healthy at the end of the season and still had some other lingering injuries that happened. So, we haven't really seen a recovery from him yet. Played a bit in the finals, had some moments, was some had some ups and downs for sure. Because he had some moments where he came in and was just doing well, but then kind of got gassed out, I guess. I don't know. So he signed that one-year contract, trying to win a dub with the Warriors, but didn't quite work out for them this season. They got close. So, yeah, KD, he goes down in game five. But they came back. And still pulled out that miracle comeback. Because that's just how resilient the Warriors were, man. That game five was pretty damn legendary. He thought that might set up some, some crazy theatrics in a possible game seven. But in game six, unfortunately, Clay Thompson left the game in the fourth quarter after tearing his ACL on a, a, a fast break dunk attempt. He got fouled, landed awkwardly, hobbled off the floor, realized that he had to like uh, either shoot free throws or he's going to be done for the whole game. At this point, he had thir- he had 28 points. It was just pouring it in. This was like through three quarters. So he comes back out from the tunnel, goes back on the court, shoots two free throws, makes them, gets to 30 points. They su- he tries to go back on defense. They sub him out. 
they call they call like commit a foul, they sub him. He goes back to the training staff. He goes back out there um, to the locker room. He's jumping around uh, in front of the camera. He's stretching, trying to do as much as he can, and then just out of nowhere, he's rolled out from the game. And we're like, "Oh snap!" Maybe they're just being cautious because maybe KD uh, hurt himself the, the literally the game before, so they don't they don't want to get two pillars gone. But then we get the report that Clay tore his ACL, and that man still wanted to go back out there. He was pissed when he wasn't able to go. I think they heard his his dad, Michael Thompson, tell reporters that that's kind of what happened. Man, so that's another another blow for them. And Steph Curry, he couldn't couldn't do enough for them down the stretch, man. They just really loaded up on him, forcing everybody else to do do whatever they could, and it wasn't enough. The team wasn't deep enough. They could take one superstar going down, but not two at the highest level. Against a team with the Raptors, that was so well balanced. They had every, contributions from everybody up and down the roster. Serge Ibaka, I didn't even mention him. He, he had a lot of key blocks, good defensive plays, uh, good rebounding, and some good shot making, too, at times. He had a few games where he hit double digits there coming off the bench. Like, they were deep, and they had, ev- like, every dude was, like, a threat and, like, could do some stuff. And yeah, man, that was a uh, that was a wild one. That was a wild, wild ass game. Oh, wild ass series. Excuse me, get late over here. Oof, that miracle comeback they pulled out in Game Five for the Dubs was unprecedented. And then yeah, Game Six. It was over. Um, They were still in it, too, down the stretch. They had a chance to tie it with, like, a three-pointer. And they ran a pretty good play for for Curry off the weak side. Yeah, I think there there was times when it... They were forcing Steph to go inside, and he wasn't taking it because he wanted to get the shot up himself. And that's like one of Steph's, I guess, weaknesses is that he can't always at 100% get that shot off if somebody knows, if they're playing him, you know, that heavy. But when he knows he needs to take more of those shots then in those situations... Or he's like the primary ball handler, primary scorer. Then, especially against a good defensive team in the Raptors, they put everybody on him. They put size on him. They put quickness. They put dudes that will body him up. He kind of wore him down over the series. And he wasn't able to do enough in that, that game six at the end. With a, a hobbling boogie. Draymond, who actually played really well in that that last game. Who else do they have out there? Um, I'm blanking on everybody else. Queen Cook. No, he wasn't. He wasn't enough. I'm trying to think who else. Jonas Jarepko. Did he get minutes? I know. 
they played Boogie a lot at the end. They played freaking Kavon Looney. We thought he was done for the season. He tore. He did something. His his arm was like hanging out. I think it was like they said that between where the top uh, rib and your shoulder meet, or where was it? Yeah, over there, where like your on your arm, on uh on your shoulder. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. That that fucking ligament or whatever just got messed up or some some shit. I don't fucking know. <laughs> He's this dude was playing it like with one arm out there. He like missed one game, came back, and actually contributed fairly well, considering uh, what the fuck. What kind of pain he was dealing with? He must have had homie numbed up during the game. I don't, I cannot imagine how he felt. But yeah, he he had to take him out, and he couldn't play down the stretch. They just weren't deep enough, man. Just weren't deep enough. Not enough guys. So we'll see how the roster looks. They say Clay's gonna resign. He's a free agent. We don't know about Katie. And Boogie, we don't know. We don't know if they'll be back. I presume Boogie might be some somewhere else next season. He got a lot of bad pressing for what he did in the playoffs because he was talking it on defense, and it could, becomes dead apparent when you play against uh, you know high uh, playoff teams in high leverage situations. It becomes very apparent what your weaknesses are. They just dial right into it. That's why, like, winning the first couple games is so important because then the other team, they might have, like, a matchup advantage against you or they just, like, kind of, I don't know, exploit certain mismatches better later in the series. So the earlier wins in the series sometimes can be, sometimes can be fluky, but other times it's... I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm talking nonsense. <laughs> I'm talking about fucking nonsense. Oh, man. So, yeah, they got a parade. Drake got to celebrate as if he was a player. This this dude had the championship hat in Toronto. Some dude had it on deck for him, ready to go. <laughs> he was wearing it before the goddamn players were doing interviews, talking about... I want the chips and the dip. <laughs> Give me the dip. <laughs> oh, man, there's a bunch of memes for that shit. Oh, man, he was he's doing it. He did a fucking <laughs> interview as if he was uh, a member of the team. Freaking crazy. Oh, man, if the Sacramento Kings ever win a championship, I need somebody to interview my ass. Oh. That would be fucking spectacular. Oof. I want to thank Lawrence Funderburk and Mateen Cleaves. <laughs> Keon Clark. Jimmy Jackson. Anthony Peeler. <laughs> Mitch Richmond. Oh, shit. Y'all, this is for y'all. <laughs> oh, shit. Crazy, crazy shit, man. They had the parade. They had their fun. 
Everybody made fun of Kawhi. Kawhi got to dance a little bit in the locker room. People put a little uh, cut-ups of uh, Kawhi joking around and shit. <laughs> and then him doing the the uh, the toast at the parade. Talking about going, at, right at the end, going, ha, ha, ha. Like, making fun of his fucking laugh that he had. <laughs> I'm a fun guy. <laughs> Man, the way he answered the question is so deadpan. Oh my god, it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> that intentional comedy. So, Kawhi, what are you going to do after this? He's like, going back, flying back to Toronto. <laughs> I was like, uh, so Kawhi, what are you, uh, you going to tell your team going into this situation? He says, I don't know, I've never been in this situation before, but uh, we're going to try hard. <laughs> He's like, what, how's your team feel about this win? Uh, I haven't talked to them yet. <laughs> They're in the locker room. I'm not <laughs> talking to you right now. <laughs> The way he answers those damn questions this year is so fucking hilarious. Oh my god. Hilarious. Oh shit. Yeah, but it's remains to be seen if he's gonna stay in the in the in T dot. Which leads us to NBA free agency and off season movement pretty much. This segment of the show. A lot going on. And we got a little better again, so we'll see how, how far we can get into this. But there's a lot of shit I got to get into, though. Number one, we got to get this. We got to talk about this because NBA Superstar just changed teams, and I'm not happy where he ended up. But it was the most inevitable situation. So Anthony Davis got his wish, got Rich Paul's wish, got LeBron's wish, and was finally moved to Los Angeles for a pretty big boatload of uh, assets. Some good players and some good picks and some good pick options moving into the forward. Ingram and Lonzo Ball are moving. So a lot of people are excited to think about Lonzo and Zion playing with each other because that's going to be an interesting kind of nucleus or Ingram and Zion playing with each other. We'll see if they uh if either dude can kinda learn how to play more off ball. Lonzo still gotta get a shot better and Ingram kinda does too for them to be able to kinda hit that all star level, that next level. And everybody's excited for what the hell Zion's gonna be able to do in the next level too. That's going to be crazy. So, I mean, going the other way, going to the Lakers, I was Anthony Davis, man. That dude has been a monster since he came into the league. And he's had some playoff appearances, but it's been on the fringe of the playoffs. Yet they haven't been, they were never able to put a, a decent team around him. I mean, Drew Holiday. Who else did they try to pick up? Omar Osik at Eric Garner for a minute. Tyreek Evans. Like These aren't going to be the dudes that will put you over the top. Rajon Rondo. Nikola Mertic. All good players, but just like at the points in their careers when they were playing there, it just, just wasn't going to be enough, man. I, f- I felt for the dude 
on like a lot of those teams where he was just dragging them up and down the court. I'm sure his back must be hurting for how many how many times he carried the team. But yeah, the 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 way they kind of orchestrated the whole thing with his agent, with LeBron, with the Lakers and all that. It was a uh, it was kind of weird, man. The shit wasn't the best, but whatever. Fucking Laker fans get the wish again. Oh, shucks. Who saw that one coming? <sighs> yeah, freaking Laker fans. The most annoying-ass fan base in the league now have more reason to gloat all over the place. Even though I think they only have four dudes that are on the freaking roster right now. Them two... Braun, AD, Kuzma, and this fool, uh, Mbonga, I think, uh, who was like an end of the bench player. And so they got to fill that shit out with like uh, the cast bait that they have. There's talk that they're trying to get out another big name free agent to try to go there. I know they've been talking to Kawhi, I think Kawhi's like, nah son, I'm chilling, they're talking to Kyrie, which, now that I'm thinking of it, is, might be an option for them, I know Laker fans going to be excited watching him do no defense, um, yeah man, then there's a uh, Possibly, who else? Kimba Walker, I know they talked about in that spot. They've talked about Jim Butler. So they're trying to maybe get a third superstar. But if they do that, they're going to have no room for no bench. Like nobody in the rotation. So uh, I think it might not be the, the, the worst idea to get some like more veterans on shorter term contracts so that you can kind of move them and then if need be and then also have space to re-up for a year from now or two years from now but I don't want to see them do well so yeah man hopefully they tie themselves up to somebody like who doesn't need the money like I don't know or like won't produce the same like Nikola Mertic or some shit like that just because Braun his style might not mesh with them as much as uh, uh, I don't know mm. there's a lot there's a lot of people out there that's just so crazy about this NBA offseason it's just tons and tons of different movement man so yeah Anthony Davis like we are saying I think the most I don't know what the most logical next person who might be, but there's they got to do some like maneuvering to kind of get that spot because they have uh, um, a certain cap situation that they can because they they right now if they make the trade, it won't be for like the enough space to allow a max contract, a third person. So somebody would have to take less. And then also there's a $4 million 
uh, trade bonus that they would have to give out to Anthony Davis. And from all indications, this fool's not waving it. So it's kind of forcing the Lakers to kind of dip into the tax and do all, all that shit that they need to do. Which they've been willing to do in the past. We'll see what the Bus family has in mind. Yeah, so a lot of movement, man. Kyrie, freaking enigma of a person and a player, man. I did not like seeing what he did for the Boston Celtics at the end of the season. Like, you could, and throughout the season, just emotional roller coaster. I thought I was on one, man. Just watching Kyrie in Boston this season, it's just like, if you were a fan of his or a fan of the team, you're like, man, what the fuck, dog? Like, really, what the fuck? Now he's apparently ghosting the Celtics, not not talking to them or nothing. The all indication was that he was going to go to Brooklyn, but from what I'm reading now, if he doesn't bring in Kevin Durant, also, Brooklyn might not necessarily be willing to put in all that money for him. Which is interesting because they got themselves a restricted free agent by the name of D'Angelo Russell on their hands who is trying to get paid as well. Excuse me. Oh, I got the... <coughs> oh, shit. I don't know where that came from. Anywho, yeah, D'Angelo trying to get his money too. But if they get Kyrie, they're just going to renounce his rights and let him go or just not match the any offer that he might get from somebody else. So, Which is crazy to think because, no lie, D'Angelo had a really good year last year. Like, I saw him put on some crazy performances. Just putting in buckets, man. He is kind of like just a, a scoring guard for now. But he just he can break fools off the dribble, like at any moment. And there ain't enough dudes like that that could do that against NBA level competition. You know, he's one of them. So we'll see how that kind of affects D'Angelo. There was talk that even that the Lakers might be interested in him. I'm like, that is for sure not going to happen after what uh, how his uh, career ended over there. It gave up on him and traded him to the Nets real quick. So, yeah, Brooklyn's going to have uh, a different feel possibly next season. We'll see how that goes. We've had some players opting out to become some under unrestricted free agents. The one dude who's affecting my personal team is Harrison Barnes. I think he had like twenty million guaranteed or some shit coming to him, or 30, fifteen million, some some shit like that. And he decided to opt out because I guess he wanted a long. He wants a longer deal, so we'll see if he will be back in purple and black next season in Sacktown. If he's not back, that opens up another position and some more money for the team. But the most difficult. All right, and welcome back. Uh, long technical delays on our part, just to give you a heads up. Um, yeah, it's now a week later. It's June the 27th. I think we started this on the 20th. 
Um, yeah, man, it's been been a little bit of a journey. Uh, for me personally, the last few days, uh, just to give you a heads up, I uh, was recording this and my batteries ended up dying a few different times. And so it took me a few days to get some new ones and then kind of in the process of that happening, a lot of different things. Um, I've been going up and down in my life, but um, yeah, I guess one of the big things I do want to shout out is I will be uh, DJing a show, stand-up comedy show this this upcoming Monday on the 1st at the LA Beer Garden in downtown LA. I'll be doing another five to seven minute set too, a little bit of comedy, and I'll just be uh, uh, transitioning, doing some songs in between uh, the host and uh, the next guest as they come up and down. So it should be fun, man. We got a pretty good lineup. Um, I got the uh, the champ, the roast battle champion himself, Frank Castillo. He is uh, our headliner there. I also have Quincy Jones, who's been uh, on the HBO special Running the Light. Mikey Shock uh, as well. We have uh, Eddie De La Siepe, uh Nikki Bond, Chris Wallace, Simone Alexander. Your host is the formidable Rich Gibbs. And the producer for the show is the Swamp God Scotty himself, Austin Scott. Music by myself, man. So yeah, if you are listening to this over the weekend, please... If you're in the LA area, come show some love, man. We do this uh, every first of the month. I'm filling in for my boy VJ, who typically is uh, the man behind the decks. But uh, we'll have that up and going. So that's been the the, the exciting news there. Uh, we'll keep, I guess, the personal stuff for later. Because um, I guess this just kind of goes into the theme of this show as it... Uh, uh, you know, as we began it last week, but appreciate every moment that you got, man, because your situation's going to change. It's like inevitable. Nothing ever stays the same forever. Um, the only constant in life is change. So you just got to get with it or get left behind, man. That's kind of how it is. And it's it's tough. It's been tough for me. Um, yeah, just uh, lost an opportunity that I had recently, but um thought things were going to go more in my favor and it ends up turning the other way unfortunately um so you know situations suck sometimes but uh it's it's hard in the moment to think of it this way but oftentimes it's one door closes many more other open so that's kind of the way that i've been looking at it trying to trying to be positive as possible and just uh one step in front of the other can't put the cart before the horse type type of stuff, you know. Um, can't skip steps at all. You got to go through the process of everything. So that's kind of where I'm at in life. But uh, I guess we'll get back to the discussion from where we were, man, because uh, <laughs> I had a few start, starts and stops. And sorry again, but from the audio, audio quality as well, sometimes I'd be putting the mic a little too close up to... Uh, uh, to to the vo- vocal box and all that stuff and i'll try to fix the, the, the music too i'll record another one. Oh man anyway what are we talking about we're we talking about nba free agency and stuff like that uh i think we finished talking about harrison barnes opting out of his contract i think it was like 25 million dollars 30 million dollars to stay with the kings that one year so he's a unrestricted free agent, and I think the Kings have a chance to possibly resign him to a longer deal. I wouldn't be mad. Um, also, if he does decide to move on, that means the Kings have some 
flexibility in terms of the salary cap. I just I'm a little concerned as to who they might be able to acquire, just because it's traditionally it's super hard for anybody to to convince anyone to come to Sacramento. You typically have to overpay them and sell them on the situation. Uh, I know historically, like Vladi Divac is like touted as like the main success story out of all like the free agency pickups that they've gotten, but there's been so many like flops that they've had over the years. It's it's uh, guys who've like taken a paycheck, come come to Sacramento, and then just freaking uh, give up on their career, or like just you can tell the intensity and that 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 heart hustle is just wasn't the same from where they were before. So I know JJ Hickson comes to mind kind of in that that light. I know Sam Downbear's there. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who else uh, in the last few years there's others there's for sure others um bellinelli man he did not play well at all in sacramento he would just chuck up everything he saw um mm, there's some others but we'll uh we'll leave that to another time that's not a fun discussion to really be having right now so I think what we were talking about before with my homie Travis, uh, the wish list for the off season: Tobias Harris, uh, Brooke Lopez, and Derrick Rose. They might have to go like the B B level squad for that, um, and like Nikolai Vucevic. Um, I don't even know who else is available at the three. I guess Harrison again, and then backup point. I honestly don't. Know. <clears throat> I don't know who's out there like that because there's so many so many moving pieces it's it's hard to flesh out the the market at the moment there have been a few things that have kind of trickled in and out and i think the official signing period should begin in a few days out there um in nba land there's been a lot of rumors like of people going back and forth but we'll go over i guess some of the uh free agents who like opted out chris middleton opted out of his deal and so did al horford and Al Horford is a is a big interesting key here because it looks like he might be moving on from the Celtics, uh, despite the fact that it looks like Kemba is their front runner of uh, all season acquisitions. Because uh, Kemba has been linked, I think, to the Celtics and to Dallas mm, strongly, or at least the the strongest uh, aside from Charlotte. If you might decide to return and and resign for the max contract, if they offer it to him. Because the team hasn't been all that great, but they're just cash-strapped because they've given out bad contracts in the past. Michael um, K. Gilchrist, Nick Batum, guys like that, they haven't panned out for them. They've had bad contracts from the past, too. Some some of the draft selections have, haven't been the haven't turned out the best. Frank Kaminsky comes to mind. Um, what's his name? The uh, the brother, the plum one of the Plumleys. It's been all right, but it's not not killing. Am I thinking of a Plumley? I don't even remember. No, I'm thinking of someone else. Who the hell? Another big white dude. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, they've uh, uh haven't put together a complete roster. I'd say for Kemba. He's really carried those teams, so we'll see if he's uh, if he's willing to shift his focus and go to a situation where he's more of the second or third in line uh, most nights, or if he if he still wants to be that dude, man. Because if he goes to Celtics, I think he can still mostly be that dude with uh, 
you know, some young guys around him. They'll have a, a different roster for sure this next year. I think they're going to stop going for dudes who are more like head case types or, or whatnot. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there with Kimba. Uh, trade that did happen, though. We had Mike Conley going to Utah uh, for a deal. They didn't give up very much to get him, if I remember correctly. I think it was Jay Crowder, it was Grayson Allen, and one other player uh, for Mike Conley. So Conley going to Utah, I think that frees up Rubio in the open market now. See, like, there's a carousel of things that had happened now. So uh, that's over and done with, I'd say. Um... So Utah is like another stronger team in the West. One of the teams that I thought might have a potential to drop out if the Lakers and Sacramento get better. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Utah, they got Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. They still have Joe Ingles. And now Mike Conley, that's a pretty solid, solid core of players. Get you to the playoffs at least. Conley is very, I think, underrated in his approach he's really understated he's just like is just like level he he doesn't waver he's super consistent like he's not gonna give you 40 points but he's not gonna give you 10 points most nights either he's gonna give you somewhere between you know 15 to to 30 points on a consistent night and somewhere around like 7 to 12 assists because he runs the show real well super calm and just knows where people need to be. Does a good job of uh, setting the table for whatever type of offense that you need to have run. I think his experience is in the more slower, slow it down, have like a controlled pace, which is similar to how Utah likes to to operate most of the time because they try to be more of a defensive side team. And yeah, that kind of it gives them another point guard who's got uh, good chops on defense too. This, this man hustles and he's a. Uh, definitely gives good effort on that side of the court. So that's that'll be an interesting thing to, to see out in the West, man. And how about the Rockets, though? They are freaking uh, been in some disarray recently. There's been quotes from Maury. There's been quotes. There's been uh, assistant coaches from the uh, coaching staff that have been let go. D'Antoni doesn't have an extension after the uh, contract after the season, so he's been kind of in a lame duck position they still haven't worked out any any details there was talk that d'antoni might want to quit because he's feel like he's he's being strong-armed by the organization which he kind of is they fired his like lead assistants i think jeff bezdelic was one of his his defensive coordinator quote-unquote like the the guy who focuses on that part of the court because lord fucking knows that mike d'antoni does not know how to coach defense at all he is an offensive-minded coach through and through, and that's been his bugaboo in the past. So I don't know how that's going to look next year, uh, going into next year. If he's going to have some discontent between him and some of the people on his bench and and whatnot, uh, Lorenzo Fertitta or whoever the Fertitta uh, brother that owns the Rockets, man, they've been trying to put their stamp on shit. They've been. Uh, you know, having a lot more quotes in the public, and they've been talking on the media a lot about how the team and the franchise is going to be run. Uh, 
So that, that'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. There's rumors that Chris Paul has been unhappy. There's been some quotes about him saying that he wanted to be traded or some reports. And then he's come back and refuted those reports too. So it's now like he said, she said type, he said, he said type situation. So there's a lot of fingers being pointed. They keep showing that dang clip of them in the huddle with uh, CP talking to, to, to Harden, explaining something to him, putting his hand out, and Harden just like slapping his hand away like he's going to give him a, a, a fist bump. And so that, that shit's been shown like repeatedly on like TV or on the, all the YouTube clips that I see uh, that ESPN puts out because shit's, I don't know, it's hitting the fan for them, man. But the thing is, is like they gave Chris Paul such a fat deal that it's going to be damn near impossible to trade him if, uh, you know, if somebody's actually interested in his services. Because, like, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure teams would like to have Chris Paul, like, in a vacuum, but with the contract and the amount of money that he's owed on his, um, it's, like, ridiculous. Like, he's going to be paid between, like, 37 and, like, $41 million annually between this year, next year, and the following year. So it's like, oof, those last two years are going to be brutal for whoever has them on their roster. Well, that's kind of the price you pay, man. It's like, uh, that's the game you're playing when you're uh, trying to deal all, uh, deal with all these like big egos and you make some promises to top guys and you try to make it work. And when things don't work out, then it's like, oh, crap. Everyone's looking around and they're not in the best situation so the rockets are doing are desperately trying to like shift the roster and it's undecided as to whether or not they uh anything will be happening with chris paul more than likely he'll be on the roster by the beginning of the year so we'll see if that that changes as the year goes on but what they have been uh reporting on recently is that they've been willing to sign and trade uh multiple players to try to get jimmy butler they're trying to convince Jimmy to tell Philadelphia, like, hey, I'm gone for sure. So work with Houston to try to work out and sign a trade so you guys get at least something in return. So that's uh, the Rockets and Daryl Morey. They're trying to convince uh, Jimmy that, to go that route because Butler's got some options on the table. He still could take maybe close to the max to go to L.A. if he wants to be a third option, which it, it seems like he hasn't. Could stay in Philly. Uh, could could go a number of places i know um there was talk of him maybe going to boston or dallas um the clippers even talk of him meeting up with Kawhi and going to to the clippers or if Kawhi doesn't go there there's even talk about tobias harris coming back to the clippers so that would be what a steal for the clippers if that if that's how things turn out they trade the dude for a couple months pick up uh, a couple of real good key players and uh, uh i will say i'd say shaman is definitely that dude is just was just on fire couldn't miss from three-pointer in the second half of the season uh when they play sacramento man that dude never missed it was freaking annoying but they picked up landry shaman they also picked up um what's his name boban oh no they gave away boban excuse me i'm trying to remember who the fuck else did they pick up shaman just freaking torch sacramento when they played um but yeah man you trade away your, your player and then you get him right back that'd be that'd be kind of crazy it's kind of how the yankees did it with chapman uh when they traded him away to the cubs a few years ago he won a world series and then came right back to new york so we'll uh 
we'll figure all that stuff out. So a lot of moving chairs in the NBA. But yeah, they're trying to do a sign and trade. They're gonna include Capella. Um what's his name? Eric Gordon and this undersized power forward. Why am I blanking on his name? Oh my god. Um what the fuck is his name? Uh Houston Rockets. This is gonna like kill me. PJ Tucker. Why couldn't why couldn't I think of his name? There there's thought that they're gonna try to include those three guys in some form of combination to possibly get somebody else and I guess that, that somebody else is, is maybe Jimmy Butler. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot to, a lot of question marks going on around Nia, around that team. So I guess we'll move on now. Talk about that uh, NBA awards that were given out the other day. I think it's very kind of cool but kind of weird how the they do it because it's cool that you have like one ceremony for like everybody uh, at one point just so they can kind of bring them all together after the season. But it's kind of not cool in terms of the timing of the awards because it's a uh, regular season awards and they give them out pretty much during, after the playoffs end. So we got to like rewind, forget about everything that just happened in the playoffs, which a ton of stuff happened this year. So it's like you got to go all the way back and think about what happened in the regular season and then uh, give out those that stuff. It seems like a little too far and gone. And there's like a lot of players who don't end up showing up to the to the event too, and it's if you don't have uh, if you're not like even an option for the award. And even James Harden didn't even show up, and he was uh, he was nominated for for MVP. Asal Minaj took a dig at him, saying that man, just like the playoffs, just James Harden didn't show up again. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I think everyone in the crowd was freaking groaning at that one. That was that was pretty good. There's some funny moments. Shaq had his intro. He was talking. He said the Lakers had to give up their balls to get Anthony Davis. And then he put a picture up of LeVar and Lonzo. <laughs> so that was a good joke. Shout out to <clears throat> Jay Farrow, too. He had a good impersonation of Shaq. That was, that was pretty funny uh, for a little bit there. Making fun of him being cross-eyed. <laughs> and just, like, talking forever. That was pretty cool. They also gave... Uh, awards to like lifetime achievement awards to Magic and Bird, so they had a cool little moment. Yeah, the Giannis won MVP, and he he had himself an emotional speech. It was, pretty, it was tearful up there, thinking about his late father. He passed away a couple years ago. He promised him he was going to be MVP of the league, and he ended up coming through on that promise. That dude is is crazy. What he has uh, in store for him moving forward, he is such a He's such a freak of nature in terms of how quick he moves on the court and how big he is and how long he is. And he's improved every year in his in his uh, in his skill sets. He got became a much better finisher, became a much better ball handler and distributor this last year. <clears throat> like ball handling and distributing has has been really really good. He has <clears throat> good good eye for the field of the game and where his teammates are going to be. So we'll see what happens with that team because that roster could be completely different. Chris Middleton is both a uh, free agent and Malcolm Brogdon are free agents. So 
Uh, we'll see if they bring them back. Brooke Lopez also can go, and I think Miritich might maybe as well. He was uh, he's been dealt around a lot. Miritich has these last like three years. It was like Chicago first, and then New Orleans, and then Milwaukee. I'm trying to remember before that. Alright, <clears throat> had to pause a little bit, doing some yard work outside for a sec. Um, but we're back, and yeah, man, I guess we'll wrap up some of the NBA stuff that we kind of been going on and on and on and on and on about. This free agency shit won't end. Uh, we'll probably break this thing down in a week or two more once we figure out more where people are going. So yeah, NBA awards, hit the chaos in Houston, and oh yeah, Tony Parker retiring, um... This guy, I think, is a legend in his own right, and I don't think got the total credit that he deserved while he was in his prime. This man, this man is a Finals MVP, although a lot of people say Duncan still should have won it that year. I kind of agree, but regardless, you got to give it to him. He's you know multiple time All Star. Uh, I'm trying to think has his top performance with France on the national team. I'm not sure if they got a bronze medal or not. Uh, at any at any point during his run, but he was a staple for the the French national team, staple for the Spurs organization for a long period of time. He came up big, had big, very big moments in the championships later on in his career. Uh, the last ones with Duncan and Ginobili there. So that man who's gone, and now Parker is gone as well. And Duncan's he's done. He's called it quits. So all three of the guys have. Uh, officially retired now and man talk about the pillars for international basketball even though Duncan played for Team USA he was born in the US Virgin Islands so he was born outside of the continental US uh, man what a legend what a legend that trio uh, was everyone wants to claim that they're boring and that they weren't exciting but they played the game the the correct fashion and they played it to a t they got a lot of breaks but they made those breaks themselves uh none more egregious i'd say than the robert ory hip check and all that stuff that happened but it is what it is man the spurs team they were they were tough to compete with back when the kings were up on top and they've still stuck around stuff still hasn't missed the playoffs they've kind of transitioned to the lamarcus aldris and demar Derozan era now after last season and we'll see where that can, continues to go. We'll see if Pop eventually hangs it up. But Tony Parker, he was lightning quick point guard. There was a couple times where he thought he might leave San Antonio. I remember Sacramento had a chance to get him maybe in 2011. It's like eight years ago now. And that opportunity came and went. There was hype on the rumor mill. And I would have been excited to have him on the team. But, you know, all good things must come to an end. He did leave last season, played in Charlotte for, for one year, and, yeah, I guess that's that's all she wrote, man. He was a, a dude who came in. I think he won a championship, like, as a rookie, as a starter, splitting time with him and Speedy Claxton back in, I think, 03. And he was the question mark the whole time. There was rumors that the Spurs might actually pick up Jason Kidd over him. And he ended up playing well enough that uh, he gave uh, um, Pop good reason to keep him around. And that's exactly what happened. They ended up winning some more championships. 
So Tony retires. I think he's a four, three-time champion. Two later with the... No, hold on. 03, 07, uh, 05, and then 2013. Four-time. Duncan's got five because he's got the one from 99 also. Man. Crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. Was it 2013? Yeah, I think it's like the Miami Miami season. 2013 and 2014. It's, I think it's 13. Anyway. Hey, man, did, his, uh, did work in the league. He had that little floater, that little runner shot from about like 15, 18 feet that he would hit off the glass. He would get by you right to the rim and good distributor. He was always looking to score a little bit more. He was looking to attack the hoop more than he was maybe to pass. So he's a little bit more of an attacking guard, but they made it work, man. They made it work in San Antonio. And I think the biggest knock and the biggest change in the way we talk about, like, guards and whatnot, is we used to talk about them in the sense of, like, they need to be a point guard and they need to be a shooting guard and they need to know the difference. Nowadays, like, those designations don't really matter and teams are more willing to, to work with players if if they're, they lean one way or the other or if they just have, like, a general skill set, because it's more helpful now if you have kind of that, what they would consider combo guard skill set, and, um, yeah, they have that combo guard skill set, and they, um, what am I saying? They could do a little bit of everything, so if you need them to play off ball, they could do it for, for a few possessions or a, a few games, half a game, whatever it needs to be. If you need him to to be the dominant ball handler, they could do that also. So there's been point guards that have gotten bigger. There've been like shooting guards who have, uh, you know, been more ball dominant. So the the line kind of gets blurred there, and I think Tony Parker deserves credit as being one of the first guys to actually do that successfully, because there was a lot of people who were maybe point guards who were shoot first that got bad raps and were never in the right position to succeed really, and he finally he found a, a niche and a role and was able to play it to a T. He set up the offense really well, and he would take over when he needed to, and they would kind of put a little bit more pressure on him to score at times. And yeah, man, I've seen him put on some great performances. So, uh, you know, congrats on the retirement. I hope everything is great there in France. You sip some uh, some vino out there with uh, your man Boris Diaw. I think they had Tiago Splitter, too. They were on, like, the banana boat or something like that. Oh, Mano. It was Manu, Tiago, and Boris Diaz. They are on a banana boat recently. So, yeah, go ahead and join the crew on the banana boats, man. We'll see how you do it over there. Uh, Tony Parker. Ho, ho, ho. But, uh, yeah, man, congrats on a great career. I'm sure the Hall of Fame will be calling sometime soon. Yeah, man, definitely showed the way that... Also, for little international guards, that they could be make it, they can make it, and they can be uh, effective, man. And he could just run circles around you. That dude could run forever. He was so fast, so quick, lightning quick, man. When he was younger, and yeah, just a great career. So shout out to Tony Parker. Uh, I guess just a little bit of breaking news that I just got right now. 
Looks like Anthony Davis weighs his $4 million trade kicker, so now the Lakers are going to have enough cap space to open up another max slot. So it looks like they have $32 million in cap space now. So that was kind of surprising because it's like you thought that the man would just be more adamant in terms of about getting his money and, you know, cap space be damned. But, yeah, it looks like he's playing ball. We'll see. These things are kind of sketchy because you feel like there's like a, a hush hush, like wink wink agreement to like maybe get him some of that money later on down the line. Especially because like Rich Paul is his agent, and yeah, they do a lot of that marketing shit um, away from the court. So who knows? Maybe he can get a few of that that money back from one of the production studios or whatever if he's looking for his role in Space Jam Two, which is uh, filming right now. Got another update today too. It looks like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, LeBron were all shown together um, on set. You saw Clay with some crutches walking around. We'll see how he part, uh, what his participation in the movie is going to be now that he's hurt. So apparently, a lot of people have been turned it down. I heard Giannis turned it down. I heard Curry turned it down just because like the timing of like the film schedule, I guess. But anyway, all right, I got one more one more basketball nugget. Uh, Cat's hiring Lindsay Gottlieb as an assistant. I think she's going to be one of the first female assistants uh, ever. If I remember correctly, I think she was a a head coach somewhere at another um, WNBA or in, uh, let's see, Gottlieb. Lindsay Gottlieb. Uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh. Yeah, oh, she was a coach of the Cal Golden Bears. That's where she was before. I remember seeing her. So she, yeah, former head coach of a uh, former classmate of mine, a Fu-Ray Jim Rigby. She used to play on the team back in the day, helped to make a Final Four run. So she's uh, she's moved on. Uh, yeah, she looks like she was coaching at UC Santa Barbara before. Yeah, now she'll be an assistant coach on the Cleveland Cavs, so we'll see if uh, how that affects things. There's been a lot more uh, female hires in coaching positions, I think, in the NBA recently. I know Popovich was kind of on the forefront of that. Um, who the heck did he use? Like, what? I'm blanking on names. Um, Becky Hammond, that was the ex-player. Uh, who was in the WNBA, and yeah, she retired and then immediately went over to, got the offer to, to be a part of the staff, so, um, yeah, man, Becky Hammond, she's, uh, she was the first one, and now it looks like, um, yeah, man, Lindsay Gottlieb will be the second, so this is more of a a push that way. And for the coaches, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see any issues with this, man. I don't see any problems. If you know basketball, you know basketball. And it's kind of weird, but a lot of times the the women's game gets more, more fundamental because they're less reliant on having just overall athleticism just take over, and um, you know control certain things. You have to like earn certain, um, um, you know, earn points or you know, play defense with more skill than just straight athleticism. Um, it's not a knock on the women's game at all, but 
you know, sometimes when you think in 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 those respects, sometimes you can you can come with a different perspective um, in terms of what needs to be done. Because you can see a guy fly through the air for rebounds, and you can say like, "All right, keep keep doing what you're doing," or you could say, "Hey, man, you're wasting too much of your energy. Just put your damn butt into somebody and then jump half of as much as you need to. You'd get the just as much done, clear more space out, and." You know, use three quarters of the energy you needed to before, instead of jumping over somebody completely. So little things like that, I guess, uh, could help out. Um, yeah, so congrats to her. I hope everything goes well. And let's hope that's not just a token hire that pe- that uh, the Cavs did just to kind of have good PR on their side because they haven't had uh, as much success in the last few years since LeBron has moved away. It's only just last year, I guess, but... Yeah, that's a that's a big loss to lose a uh, the goat of your franchise pretty much, and somebody who a lot of people will say is the goat of all time. Anyway, we'll uh we'll keep it moving, man. We'll go to some other sports down here. Start off with this one here. This uh, was announced a few weeks ago, but HBO will be starring the last season of the Raiders in Oakland. And their training camp in Napa uh, on their program, Hard Knocks, which is going to be fucking epic as shit this year. I'm so hyped for this, man. Raiders on Hard Knocks, that is going to be fucking nuts, man. Like, this is one of the most Raider teams of all times that is on this. You have, like, a, a outspoken head coach, Al Davis. You got your super ultra-religious and conservative quarterback in... Uh, Derek Carr doesn't curse at nobody, but is like extremely motivated to like uh, become an all-star, all-pro all pro again, and lead the team back to the playoffs, and prove that he's the quarterback of the franchise. Because there's been a lot of rumors that they might be looking elsewhere moving forward. So you got that. You've got the new additions of the, the crazies on offense and defense. On offense, you got Antonio Brown, who's uh, Man, that dude works his ass off. I just see, keep watching his like workout videos online for, for what he does with the Raiders. He practice. He, he's showing up at high schools after practice and and catching balls off the jug machine. Like he, he freaking puts in work, man, like crazy. And I didn't I didn't realize this until like now. I guess since he was never on my team before. But damn, that fool be working hard, man. No wonder he's all pro. And yeah, I'm putting up ridiculous numbers. So he's gonna be doing his thing. He's gonna be yapping. And Jawson probably with the DB, so that'll be fun to watch. You got the signing of Richie Incognito, man, the freaking head case that uh, uh, is like straight out of the typical Raiders playbook, man. Like this from like the team from like the seventies and eighties, man, uh, with all the crazies that they have in this year. So like that dude, when he's on, he's really fucking good. But like you got to make sure his head's in check, so. Uh, it, he didn't do too well when he was in Buffalo, but then when he, after he retired, he was going a little off off kilter, throwing dumbbell weights at freaking trainers and, and cursing people out and shit like in public. Uh, so that remains to be seen what's gonna happen, but it should be entertaining regardless to see what the hell that does that fool does uh, with that offensive line, um, especially considering that he, he's had some like low key. Uh, uh, racist stuff that he said in the past too apparently for when he was bullying Jonathan Martin and other members of that offensive line are mostly black <laughs> except for Colton Miller at the moment 
the and so yeah man <laughs> uh, a few years ago the Raiders had like one of the first start all starting all black offensive line uh, units in history so um, yeah I mean that's a very proud thing so we'll see if that 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 any of those sparks fly hopefully not man and you hope that the man has improved himself um and can kind of push that stuff in the past and the other players can kind of you know take from for who he is now versus who he was these things are complicated <laughs> like i want him to do well because he's on my team but it's like god damn you got to know what you're playing with fire there so he's on the team you got Vontez perfect in the uh on defense and that dude is he um yeah, he's like the the penalty leader since he came into the league, pretty much. This dude gets fines and ejections for a bunch of dirty hit and late hits and stuff all the time. So he'll probably be going back and forth with the team, uh, with the offensive team. So that's going to be exciting. You got a bunch of rookies who are usually, from what I've seen, they're pretty, not understated, but they're more just about their business. They come from, like, pretty successful programs, so... I don't think they'll be out too out there, per se, like as much as characters as some of the veterans are. So uh, we'll see Gabe Jackson, call him Stink, or Big Stink. <laughs> Somebody called him, I think Vaughn Miller called him that. I uh, said he, he smells the worst, so I'm sure that'll get brought up. Um, what else? What the hell else? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know, man. Doug Martin, the local kid. Um, shout out to St. Mary's High School. He was a classmate of mine for one year. Uh, he was a senior when I was a freshman. That dude was insane, man. That dude was crazy. So he's still on the roster. That's because Isaiah Crowell tore his ACL, unfortunately. So he got an offer to come back. So we'll see if he makes it the team. There'll be a bunch of other storylines when we get closer, but man, like just thinking of it, about it like right now, I'm like, whoo, this shit's gonna be crazy. Like you're gonna know part of it's gonna be a, uh, an endorsement for the new Vegas uh, stadium because that was part of the reason why they chose Atlanta a few years ago because they were have, opening up their new stadium the following season and they kind of used it as a little bit as a marketing tool on like the, one of the last episodes. So I'm pretty sure that'll happen at some point there. You'll get Mark Davis and his crazy ass bowl cut probably taking calls at pf changs taking business calls at pf changs i should say that's been his mo or hooters i know that's like one of the two <laughs> favorite places for him to go eat which is kind of crazy so yeah that uh that all goes down man we got uh hard knocks coming up in a few months i'm gonna have to get that hbo uh 30 30 month subscription or whatever uh the tr- free trial just to watch those or bootleg the fuck out of them i don't know i don't know either way Either way, that shit's going to be fun to watch. Alright, we'll move on. We will move on to the fight game. We'll start in the world of MMA, man. Uh, recent UFC fight that went down a few weekends ago. Exciting as hell. I, I I was really impressed with all the performances that happened. It was pretty damn crazy. But you had Henry Cejudo going down in the record books, man. Triple C is what he calls himself now because he is not only a champ champ, he is the uh, he's won three prestigious awards. He's got two UFC uh, championship belts in two different divisions, and he also has a an Olympic gold medal for when he did a uh, when he wrestled back in the day. 
the first man to ever do any of those things together, or all of those things, I should say, two two championship belts and an Olympic gold medal, man. It was pretty epic. I put the picture up on my Instagram a few weeks ago. Oh, boy. Shout out to, to him. He freaking knocking out all these dudes. And that, that fight against Marlon Moraes, I thought that was going to be a comp- it was a pretty competitive fight for, for when it lasted. Because that first round, Marais was coming in throwing hot, man. He was throwing, like, nukes at him. Putting in all his, his power into trying to give him a knockout. He connected a few times, and he had him wobbly there in the first. So he had won the first, I would say. But unbeknownst to us, it looks like he, he had kind of overextended himself a bit. Because his work rate in the second round was just, you could tell, it was kind of like, a big difference. So Hudo worked him and was able to get inside a lot more. He connected on a few, and then he was just using his his tie clinch really well, and he was just banging him with some knees to the head. Just bam, 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 setting him up, setting him up, and he he kept repeating it. I'm uh, pretty sure they got to. I think it was the third round when they finished the fight, but uh, by the end of the second, you're like, man, Marais is like the tide had turned, and. And uh, Sahudo, he was uh, he was starting to control the fight, and you could tell that his pacing was uh, was better than than Marais's. And so Marlon comes out a third round, and you can see he's kind of physically uh, gassed there at that point. When he started the second, you couldn't really tell, but when he started the third, you knew for sure uh, what the what the deal was. So he comes out and just keeps kept getting caught up in the tie clinch over and over again. I think about like two or three more times. And Sahudo laid maybe about eight knees on him, ten knees. It was, it was nasty. He just kept going, and eventually, I want to say he cocked him with uh, a cross and had him dropped. And then at that point, uh, the ground and pound, and then eventually they called it. And that fool etched himself into the record books, man. So he's got the, what is it, the one thirty-five pound championship and the one forty-five pound championship dog that's pretty fucking good he was he's just talking about how he wants to call out people he wants to get paid heavyweight money now which i think he freaking deserves it man i mean he put mighty mouse he basically banished him out of the freaking organization because they were after he got rid of that belt or lost that belt he he moved on to one fc on to do to do some other stuff and yeah man he's just been rolling through everybody since uh freaking um Oh man, what's his name? Just got popped for PEDs. Um, suspended. Dillashaw, man, he took out Dillashaw, Mighty Mouse, Dillashaw, now Marice in consecutive order. And these dudes are no fucking joke. So he's been talking to, uh, trying to call out uh, Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt, um, those guys. So he's been trying to call them out. See what he. Uh, what kind of fight that he can get now, man? He wants to get that uh, that premier dollar. And man, shout outs to him, man. I've been using him in my stand up bid, talking about uh, how it's a good time to be Mexican, man. Henry Cejudo, he's got like forty percent of his body weight up in his head, man. <laughs> but the other ones, he still be throwing hard fists, though. Oh shit, that dude, uh, that dude is got a black black ass head, man. <laughs> big headed Mexican. It's all good though. He be pulling it down, holding it down, man. Doing the damn thing. Triple C, man. He came in there. He had a messed up ankle too prior to 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 beginning the fight. He was out there wearing like ankle ankle straps, bracelet things. Um, 
ankle braces, just a little sleeve, ankle sleeves, those kind. He had them taped up prior to the fight, man. He got it done, man. He got that shit done. So congrats to Cejudo, man. He's one of my favorites. Uh, um, favorite players there. Oh, new announcement. Check this. LeBron giving Anthony Davis the number 23. So that means LeBron's going to be changing jersey numbers then? Wow. Everyone who got a LeBron jersey last year, you're going to need a new one. Fuck. What's going on? What is going on? We going. All right. Since we got the, the thing. Of, oh, yeah. Mexico plays today. Oh, no. They don't play till. The 29th, where am I tripping? I'm tripping. Copa America. Brazil plays today. That's who plays. And, yeah, Women's World Cup. What do we have? England. at yeah, England in 15 minutes. Okay, U.S. plays tomorrow. That's the one I want to watch. All right, cool. Cool, 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 cool. So, yeah, that should be happening. So, Triple C, man. Shout out to Cejudo. Uh, earlier on the fight card, though, man, how about Valentina Shevchenko got that brutal knockout over Jessica I. Textbook, textbook, how to set up the kicks. She kept kicking her on the side, landing the kick. She kept uh, putting, she started to put her arm down, put her arm down to protect herself. And as soon as she did that, wham, bam, came the kick over the top. Knocked her out. Brutal. Oh, my goodness. Valentina, she's just holding down in uh, her division. I think the 125. I believe she was fighting up 135, and Nunes had her number, a few other fighters. Man, damn, that was a brutal knockout over just guy. That was was uh, was a nasty one. And then she had her post-fight post interview. She was talking in three different languages. Yeah, fun fact about Shevchenko, man, she's like... Uh, she, like, lives in Peru, too, so she, like, also knows Spanish. So Spanish, English, and Russian. She's from uh, Belarus, I want to say. Oh, I don't want to get that wrong. I don't want Valentina coming at me in the streets. Let's see. Shevchenko. Valentina. Kyrgyzstan. That's where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, she's uh, she held down the belt and is up and moving on to her next fight, man. She's uh, pretty damn dominant herself. Oof, 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 oof. She's a badass bitch, man. Don't want to don't want to rumble with her. She got that gun tattooed over on the side of her left hip, man. Oof. Mm mm mm. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. We'll see what uh, what the future is in store for her. But yeah, Valentina, she is. Oh my God, she's she's uh she's I think the height of her powers right now. She had a couple good performances, got holding on to that belt. So we'll see what things go with her. And we had another couple crazy fights, man. How about the uh, Tony Ferguson Cowboy Cerrone fight? That one was exciting. Tony was just, I think, landing cleaner shots. But Cerrone was landing some on him too. It was a back and forth brawl. Tony got more cleaner shots up on the on his face and caused a lot of swelling 
on that right eye. Uh, I think it was in the second round. I kept attacking the eye, kept attacking the eye. And eventually the round ends. Uh, there was like the whistle, and then Tony snaps a punch and lands on his nose and not his eye. And it was a late, it was a late punch. And the crowd turned on him as soon as that happened. And it was clearly late. And it was just like, fuck, man. I can't believe that's what's going to happen. So what, after he thought it might be a disqualification, the very least it was a point deduction. So they, they deducted the point and And then Cowboy's in his corner. And his nose is busted up and his eyes busted up. And it didn't look like he could breathe very well. So he takes, he does one of those things where... You uh, you plug up one of your nostrils and you try to blow all the the snot out of it. Well, what happens is it gets all like the uh, the uh, immediately like swells your eye up if you have like damage there. So his eye immediately started swelling to the point where it got like swelled shut and you couldn't see out of that right eye. And it happened like within like thirty seconds. Like you could see it. He freaking blew his nose and then immediately it's just like woo starts growing. And I forget the science behind all that shit. It's just like all the fluid just like flows in. Because uh, I think you're, you know, through your sinus when you like force it out. It pushes it through uh, your nasal patch- passage. And that uh, that fluid got caught up in his eye and then it just starts swelling. And I don't even know if that's all related. I'm not a fucking doctor. I just know that if you blow your nose when it's busted, there's a chance that swelling is going to happen over your eyes. Like, it's weird that it happens, but that's that's what happened. And so the doctor came in and just ruled the fight uh, over, and so they gave it to Ferguson. So it was, like, not how any of the dudes wanted the fight to end, for sure, because Cowboy still wanted to go out and rumble, because that's, that's the type of dude that he is, man. He is he's just about it. That's why they call him Donald Cowboy Cerrone. But once again, man, he his uh, fighting on short shorter notice has is, is been a detriment to him in his career. He'll get a couple wins in a row and then just will fight in like under a month and then take a loss against a tougher opponent. He needs, he's like, I commend him for just being willing to go out there and, and put it all on the line. But man, you gotta, you gotta have some self-control for yourself, I guess, a little bit in terms of how you plan your career out. Cause I don't, I don't know how much longer Cerrone's got. He's already in his mid thirties and you know, the fight game just, just, it wears on you, man. There's a lot of damage that goes on in training and getting ready for fights, let alone what happens inside the octagon. And he got pretty bodied up, man, uh, by Tony. And rightfully so, he got booed by the crowd, and, and he he accepted it. He knew he, he he threw an illegal punch at the end of the fight. But if that punch would have landed like an inch or two closer to the left of his face, it would have hit that eye, and he could have been disqualified. So he got super lucky that that illegal punch hit him right on the butt, right on the nose. Uh, and not and, and didn't touch the eye, because that would have been a disqualification for him, and that would, that would have been that would have been disappointing for everybody involved. But yeah, man. So Cowboy's eye, that shit was fucking brutal. That shit was crazy. Oh, that was a nasty one to look at. Oh boy. Uh, earlier in the fight card, though, we had uh, Pedro Munoz taking on Aljamain Sterling, and man, Sterling looked really good in that fight. His bugaboo, I think, is that he's been more passive in terms of his aggressiveness and attacking fighters. But Munoz was uh, always stepping forward. He's that type of guy that's just always going to keep bringing it towards you. And he's like a brawler style. So he's throwing punches, throwing kicks. And 
Sterling was the quicker fighter, and he did a very good job of keeping his distance and just tagging him on the counters and attacking him uh, when he saw the openings. And he remained super active in this fight, probably the most active I've seen him um, since coming into the UFC. And Aljamain was just like landing, he was landing a lot of clean shots on, on Munoz, and Munoz kept pushing the pressure, but Sterling, Sterling, every single time he, he had a, a counter for him, it was just uh, quick combinations, man. Like, there was there was a time, I think, in the third round where it was like, or the second round, where it looked like a video game where, like, you're just hitting buttons, and the other dude's also just hitting buttons and stuff, like, at the same time, because it was like, kick, punch, kick, low kick, high kick, mid, like, uh, elbow, punch, goes for the knee, like attacks a leg, uh, counter, uh, they break apart, another another kick-punch combination with another two-punch con- counter. It was just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so it was a lot of action in that fight, man. So Sterling, he, he, got, it, uh, he got the decision. And this was already like a few weeks ago, man. So it was just, I'm like, I'm trying to rack my brain as uh, what the fuck's going, what happened in that fight. But... Sterling got the decision, and yeah, that was a good fight card, man. That was a real good one. Uh, I think the next one coming up is uh, UFC, what, 239, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, Tiago Santos, a.k.a. Macheta, which is Mallet in Portuguese, and John Jones, John Bones Jones. I think Amanda Nunes is also fighting on that card. She's fighting Holly Holm. And that'll be a fucking good-ass one. Let's see here. Um... Yeah, we have uh, oh Francis Ngannou and Dos Santos are fighting on Saturday. That'll be a good one. And let's see, July. Yep, Jones and Santos. That's next. Not this weekend, but the following one, July six in Vegas. Ooh boy, that'll be a f- that'll be exciting. That uh, will be exciting. Uh, John Bones Jones. Anytime he steps into the into the octagon, that's that's history being made. That dude is that good. That dude is that good. Just nothing much much else to say. Oh, what the fuck? Which one was that one? Which UFC was that? Fuck. Uh, that's two thirty nine. So two thirty eight was the last one that we had. Sahudo and Mohar Marai Mahais. Damn, it's almost three weeks from now. A lot of shit's happening, man. A lot of shit's happening. All right, what else do we have? I guess we'll transition a little bit here. Have you guys been seeing that bare-knuckle boxing league that's been starting up? Pretty crazy, man. Finally had its biggest marquee event, I would say, since its inception. When uh, 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 Artem Lobov took on Pauli Malinaji. So Artem Lobov is a training partner and an MMA fighter in the UFC who's from Russian descent but is uh, currently training in Ireland and he's a part of Conor McGregor's uh, like squad that he trains with consistently, right? So he's a pretty run-of-the-mill, I would say, UFC fighter. He's, he's a game fighter, but he's, uh, he's not like a superstar by any, any event and he got himself... He was one of the main uh, characters involved with the whole uh, brouhaha, that fracas that happened last year with uh, Connor and Khabib with the dolly chairs and, and all that shit, people's eyes getting busted. So he was the main character involved in that whole that whole uh, scenario. 
And, uh, yeah, man, he was uh, getting shit-talked by this dude, Pauly Malignaggi. They were going back and forth on Twitter, talking about how, like, I'll beat your ass and all this shit like that. And I think that stemmed from uh, when the McGregor-Mayweather fight was going on. I don't think... I think Pauly was, was just talking shit. And I think what happened, too, is Pauly was sparring with McGregor, and McGregor was kind of bringing it to him. And Pauly... Uh, felt kind of like uh like ambushed a bit like i didn't know it was gonna be like this and so they they try to humiliate polly and they released the footage of him getting like knocked down he had, he had like a flash knockdown at a certain point in the in the sparring session and so there's been a lot of back and forth between the two camps and polly's a real prideful dude he actually not he did like physically knuckle up and and sign up for this fight uh but yeah man Surprisingly enough, Artem Lobov beats Pauly Malignaggi in this bare-knuckle boxing match last weekend. And that was pretty damn uh, shocking, uh, to say the least. You had an MMA fighter who is, you know, dropping multiple disciplines to just focus on throwing hands. And Pauly, that's all he's ever done is throw hands. But when you do when you do it with bare-knuckles and you have no gloves on, the situation is a lot different, the whole scenario in terms of how... Um, you protect your hands, uh, not being able to block punches with uh, having the boxing gloves on. So I think it was an easier transition probably for Artem to uh, for having the 4-ounce gloves versus like the 8- to 12-ounce gloves that the, the boxers use um, to having nothing, just having your wrist tape. And both dudes' faces look pretty damn beaten, man. It, both dudes had, had a lot of uh, damage on their face that you could tell. And I'll, I'll wonder how their hands are feeling in the week prior since the fight happened. Because it's, uh, oof. Like, that's the one thing. It's like less protections for your hands. And it's gonna, there's going to be more cuts. And it's going to be more more hand injuries, I think, as a result of, uh, of that. But, you know, maybe maybe more exciting fights. I don't know. I don't know. Both dudes look pretty, pretty fucking beaten after that. So shout out to Artem. He got that victory. It was pretty surprising holding it down for the MMA fighters out there. We'll see if, uh, if any similar events might happen in the future. Obviously, Polly's a little bit on the, the older side. He's kind of transitioned to becoming more of a commentator than he has a boxer in the last few years. But even still, man, that, that spirit doesn't die. And he wanted to put it out there and prove himself. And so I, I commend him for that. There's just like a lot of shit talking going back and forth. So... Dudes actually put it down on the line, so uh, they didn't just start talking about it, they were being about it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, move forward. I, got, I guess talk about boxing for a little bit here. There's a couple fights that have, uh, a couple fight news, things that have happened in the fight game that kind of caught my attention. Number one, did you guys see that Triple G knockout that happened a couple weeks ago? That shit looked comical, man. Uh, knocking out this dude, Steve Rolls who's not a strong fighter in terms of the rankings or anything of that nature. It was just more of a, a get-me-back-on-the-right-track on type fights for, for Golovkin because he's, uh, he's had his ups and downs recently. He's now currently with the zone also, so they, they I think they wanted to get a an exciting victory for him. Man, he knocked that dude out through the ropes almost, man. Freaking clobbered him. Um, there was a... That uh, that Ray Rod dude on on Instagram man put a crazy crazy post up edit for him. So he gets the knockout. Now he's trying to talk uh, about Canelo getting into another fight. 
with him. Canelo wants him to get another belt, so that might mean he might need to face uh, Jamel Charlo because he's the other uh, competitor right now in the in that weight range, 160, 168-ish, uh, who's got a belt. But there's issues with the... Uh, where the fight will be broadcasted and all that stuff, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But damn, that was like a freaking cartoonish knockout though that he had. Mm 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 Pretty crazy. Yeah, I guess some other fight news too. We got Manny Pacquiao's gonna be facing Nate Thurman uh, next month, uh, July twentieth. So that'll be interesting one to see because. Thurman is the more younger, the more frisky boxer at the moment. Uh, Pacquiao's had some moves recently that haven't been too bad. He hasn't performed too well, too too horrible. So we'll see. He's just not at that same level that he was prior. It's, it's all it's age, man. It's undefeated. Still, still a really good boxer though. See if uh, Thurman can hold it down against him next month. So yeah, it's just a couple things in the. In the fight game. I guess we'll move on here. Talk about some baseball. And then we'll get into some some soccer shit. And. Oh you know what. One other thing too. That I wanted to talk about too. And MMA before we, we leave the fight game. Uh, Chris Weidman was talking about moving up. To light heavyweight to challenge John Jones. So we'll see if that actually happens. I know. Um, uh, besides Weidman. Uh, Luke Rockhold is also contemplating moving up to 205 from 185. Those dudes used to have the belt down at a smaller division, but they just haven't been able to cut it recently with uh, Robert Whitaker holding down that belt pretty, pretty handedly in the last few seasons, a few years. I mean, still have... uh, who else is rolling around that division? Um, why am I blinking? You all, Romero, still down there. I love you. He won his decision. Made a bunch of money against the UFC for the Tana Supplement issue. So we'll see where he's at. Um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, Kelvin Gastelum, too. He, he lost to... Uh, um, to Whitaker also, so there's been a little bit of a logjam there at the 185 uh, pound division. So I mean, Weidman, he's he's taken a couple losses too in that division. So I mean, why not move up? And for Rockhold too, I think people have kind of like forgot about him, put him to the wayside because um, he hasn't done much of anything since he got knocked out by Bisping, and that was a long time ago, long long time ago for them. So we'll see if if any of those dudes actually decides to step up and challenge one of the one of the goats, man. John Jones is that good. He's been that fucking good. All right. Um All right, let's move to baseball now. Uh biggest news in the world of baseball was that of uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz getting shot in the Dominican Republic. Um eventually was uh rushed to the hospital, flew over to Boston where he's now in uh solid care. He's in stable condition from everything that I heard, and he will uh, is expected to make a full recovery. So I'm very glad to hear that news. But the the details that have been coming out involving the shooting apparently it was for only eight thousand um, dollars. It was a coordinated hit. Uh, there was a report that uh, they had dragged one of the hit the the people involved in the killing and it, and the people in the neighborhood had beaten the crap out of that guy. 
Well, that dude apparently was only the getaway driver, so like the the actual shooter got away at the moment, and they eventually found him. And I think there was like eight people who were tied, involved to this this shooting. And it was only for like eight thousand dollars, but um, I think the rumor on the street was that Big Poppy was had some relations with uh, some some females who were tied to some gangs and that there was a retaliation uh against him for doing that um and yeah that they were trying to kill him i guess and they shot him once and he survived that shot thank goodness but man crazy crazy story freaking back in boston and he's doing all right now but uh it was really scary at the time man because there's a lot of shit been going on in the dominican republic which we'll we'll get into a little bit later also but man that's a that was a sad one when that happened you're like this is a a hero for the boston sports fans and for baseball fans i'd say in general that dude is ridiculously good he was a a legend when he played there for the red sox not so much on minnesota you can have your rumors as to why but yeah man he got shot in the dr there was a talk that it was maybe an inside job with the police involved too i'm not sure how much of that is uh held up but in the i know in the video you see like a uniformed police officer running away from him so i don't know what that's from i don't know if he was chasing the shooter or what but most of the time you attend to the person who got shot when that happens so it looked a little odd to me that that was what was going on but i guess that's the rumor right now it's like only for eight thousand dollars there was a report that he was trying to shoot like somebody next to him but i think that might have been a false report i'm not sure because he was just sitting on a patio outside a little bar right there and yeah some dude just runs up on him and pow pow and then just runs off on him um i think they showed up in one car got away in another car sad news but i'm glad that big poppy's all right and he's uh he's soldiering on doing his thing all right we'll move forward uh game worn babe ruth jersey sold at auction for the most expensive memorabilia of all time game worn babe ruth jersey man imagine that crazy babe ruth was like about 100 years ago this dude was popping popping and he's still up in the uh you know the minds, the hearts and minds of uh, sports fans everywhere. The Sultan of Squat. This man, he was, you know, he's the leader of like a whole bunch of slugging categories and everything back in the day. He was the man. Can't believe he was a pitcher too. This dude's jersey just sold though for five point six four million dollars on the open market. Man, oh man, oh man, that's a expensive ass jersey right there. I think it was one for when he was uh, playing with the Yankees. Still played a couple seasons at a couple other places besides Boston and New York. I think Washington General. So you see, he was on some other random team at the end of his career. But yeah, man, this dude is known as the Yankee for sure. But man, most expensive memorabilia of all time, man. I think he had beaten a previous record. This jersey had beaten a previous one where it was uh, um, another one of his jerseys. I think sold for like over $4 million. <sighs> crazy, crazy prices there. Baseball memorabilia is like the one that I feel like holds up the most value just because it's, 
it's a lot of back in my day or remember then it's a lot of historic like baseball puts a lot of stuff into historical context like it even within the moment yeah, i love comparing like the stats to back in the day and and the players from now to back then and and uh there's a lot of like gravitas there's a lot of weight to like things that, that represent certain eras so uh i understand why it's like one of the most expensive memorabilia of all time also you got to consider the market and like where things have done it's like america is the birthplace of the sport of baseball uh it's been going on for like what over 140 years now uh professionally at that level and this dude is considered one of the goats and also america being prosperous as they are you know could lead to the valuation of uh you know key touchdown pieces of the culture so that's kind of i think what happened here man 5.64 million dollars for a baseball jersey Whew. boy oh boy oh boy mm. man if i ever bought like a jersey like that i would put it on <laughs> i would rock it I would rock it for a little bit and then frame that shit. I would have to take a couple photos of me rocking it. It's like a photo, quick photo shoot. <laughs> oh, man, I'll probably ruin that shit. Although Babe was fat as fuck, too, even for his era. He was a big motherfucker. I'll probably fit into his jersey. Oh, man. But, yeah, last uh, a few more things, I guess, on the baseball front. First off, shout out to the E's doing some things. And, yeah, for the Giants, man. Will Smith, their uh, left-handed reliever, don't trade him to the Dodgers, man. Please don't trade him to the Dodgers. I don't want to see that happen. He can go any other team but the Dodgers, and I'll be okay with that. Yeah, I guess the issue is that, like, uh, current Giants GM, Farhan Zaidi, he's a former uh, Dodgers GM, so he probably has a relationship with working with the team. All right, sorry. I've been trying to pause the show because we've got some yard work outside. You probably heard a little bit of it. Um, yeah, man. Babe Ruth, Jersey. Expensive shit. All right, moving on. More baseball news. Did you guys see that brawl that happened at that Little League baseball game? Oh, my God. That, that shit went viral about a week ago. About a week ago. And it was crazy. You just see these two parents just duking it out right there, like on the um, by home plate. You know, they have, like, the protective fencing. One dude got, like, pushed into the fencing and started getting his ass beat. Oh, my God. This shit was crazy. And it's just, like, highlights a growing trend, man. The parents need to fucking chill the fuck out about the sports shit. It's cool to be competitive, but you got to let that shit be, man. Like, there's different ways to do it. And, like, if you... <laughs> if you get physical and shit like that, that just that don't prove no one right. Even if you beat the crap out of the other dude, because uh, being an asshole, I will say certain people do to fucking feel like it's better for society for them to get their ass beat sometimes. But it's like holy shit to do it in front of your children and in front of like their friends and the other parents and just not giving a shit. That's just that's really ridiculous, man. It's kind of. It's kind of out there. Like, I don't know any of the details or whatever happened to them before or after. I just saw that video, so I'm just going off of that shit. But, man, the parents were brawling at a little league game. That is fucking crazy. Crazy video. Go look that shit up. All right, last bit of news here on the baseball tip, though. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, it was announced recently that they're looking to 
possibly play some games up in Montreal as well. Have a season split between the two locations. And like, I don't know how the hell that would work out. Um, they apparently are talking about one in a new stadium in Tampa because the one they have is garbage and nobody really goes to the game. So they, yeah, man, they've they've been dead last or second to last in attendance. Like them and the A's have been competing with each other. For that dubious distinction, and man, it's—I don't think that's the right solution. Just move the team, get up and move the team to Montreal if you're just going to be doing that. I think that's kind of what they want to hint at. The mayor of, of Tampa was saying that they can't negotiate anything until nine years from now. I think is what it is for their current lease to 2028 or 2030, somewhere around there. They—they uh, they have a little bit of a stretch to to keep going. So we'll see if they want to build a new uh, stadium or just see who else is going to be willing to bid on a stadium in other cities because they might have some options. Tampa, I don't, I don't think it's it's ever been successful really there as a baseball franchise in the state of Florida, which is weird because a lot of good baseball players come out of the state of Florida. It's one of the places where you can play year-round, uh, a lot of good talent. But the professional at the professional level just hasn't been able to to do very much. Be I mean we have the Marlins. They'll probably be around because they've won they've won championships and they've had good teams and they've had good players. Man, they're real good players. But they just the way that they're run and the way the money the money is there. It's just it's never it's never enough. I don't think the people the general people of uh, South Florida have either the interest or like the the disposable income to be going to games consistently like that and yeah it's there's a lot of mouths to feed it's a generally a football uh part of the country football state but baseball's real big there too man the heat have uh taken some of that intention the magic at times as well too so yeah i don't know i don't know man baseball in tampa just hasn't hasn't really worked out even baseball in miami for the most part they have a really low attendance and Derek Jeter's got a kind of a mess on his his hands, giving away like their best players in the last few years, and they're kind of yeah, just kind of wandering adrift, I'd say. So whatever happens to them happens, but splitting home games, they said they would start the season in Tampa and then finish the season in Montreal. What the fuck? What happens if they make the playoffs? Where are they playing the games then? Are you just gonna stay in Montreal? And if it's if that's the case, then why the fuck would Tampa even want to have like the first half of the season anyway? Just like an extended preseason or extended spring training, pretty much. Even though the games count, it's like it'd be so weird. It'd be super awkward. So yeah, the the head of the org- the heads of the organization were talking about trying to do stuff like that, but I don't see that being very feasible feasible at all so we'll see what Manfred decides if I were them I might try to put pressure on them to kind of get up and move I mean they had like one good run through the playoffs that one season they had David Price as a rookie James Shield Evan Evan Longoria and some others Carl Crawford was on the team trying to remember who the hell else anyway they they had a good team around that era weren't able to materialize anything and all those players have kind of you know hit the later half of their careers and or they're just straight out of the league so yeah
Yeah, I remember Carl Crawford. That dude was uh, had some good stretches, but got paid and just never really reproduced that for anybody. He was on Boston. I got traded to the Dodgers for that uh, um, that deal that they did for uh, who did they pick up? It wasn't the Manny one. It was, it was another. They had another big trade. I'm trying to think what the fuck it was. Um, damn. Who the hell did they... They picked up, like, Josh Beckett. Oh, it was Adrian Gonzalez. That's what it was. Because they, they had to pick... They had to take Josh Beck and they had to take Carl Crawford's contracts, too. It was a lot of money back then. A lot of money. Anyway, we'll move on to the world of football. There's been three competitions ongoing right now that I've been interested in. Women's World Cup, USA teams is moving on. They're playing France tomorrow. We've had the the CONCACAF Gold Cup. USA has been doing their thing. Damn, shout out to Josie Altador. Yesterday I had a bicycle kick. Uh, basically, the only score of the game against, uh, who was it, Trinidad Tobago? Yeah, man, he's uh, he got put in the starting lineup. Yassi Zardes was uh, the one starting before, and he had three goals in two games. And they scored seven the, uh, the other day. I want to look up the official official things. I don't like talking out my ass, but at the same time, this shit be like, I don't know, is it important? I don't, I don't fucking know, man. Is anybody even listening to this shit? Watch me rambling about all this sports shit? God damn. Oh, they beat Panama one nothing the other day. They beat Trinidad Tobago six nothing, seven nothing, something like that. That's what it was. That's what it was. So CONCACAF doesn't keep going until uh Sunday when we get into the knockout stages. So Mexico will be playing Costa Rica. That'll be interesting. Costa Rica usually has a good team. Brian Ruiz, Joel Campbell, have a couple couple good dudes. On the squad there. On the squad, yeah. Um, they beat Martinique 3-2 to two last Sunday. Mexico did, so. I always root for Mexico-U.S. Uh, final because that's exciting. So, hopefully that happens again. But then also going on there in, in South America is the Copa America in Brazil. So, they're in the knockout stages. They start today. Brazil is playing Paraguay at 5.30. We got Argentina and Venezuela and Colombia and Chile tomorrow. Final matchup is Uruguay and Peru. So Copa America, exciting shit. And yeah, man. So those tournaments are going on. I think international soccer is fun. It's like uh, it's a different different change of pace and kind of the um, the club game. I'd say for sure. So some of the shit that's been going on in that world, though, how about the UEFA boss, uh, um, Michael Platini, as Michel Platini, arrested over the Qatar bid uh, over some bribery scandals. And this is like such a easy scenario to kind of, you know, p- pin down, I guess, because it's like, dude for sure had to be bribed because on the logistics side of things, Qatar should have been way down on the list in terms of uh, hosting a World Cup, but terms of the money side and who they're able to like grease the wheels for them to get the bid they definitely would have been number one there because they're willing to to do shit like that and that's pretty much what happened man this dude platini you you gotta you there's 
in my mind, there's no doubt that fool got paid off, and everybody in FIFA, a lot of people in FIFA got paid off uh, to make that bid successful for them. Because, like, the shit's been crazy. They've been using slave laborers. There's been uh, record, like, heat temperatures that have been predicted. There's all the uh, places that are going to have to be played indoors because it's going to be in the summertime. They rejected a bid to move the, the tournament to the wintertime because it would mess with too many of the schedules with the leagues and everything. So it's going to be kind of a shit show, I think. This this uh, Not this next one. Is it the next one, 2022? Who's, who's got the next World Cups? Um, FIFA, upcoming FIFA World Cups. Let's see. FIFA, FUFA, FIFA. Not FUFA, FIFA World Cups. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, it is Qatar. They will, they will be taking on the next one. So they got the 2022 one. 2026 is going to be the one. Ooh, that'll be fun. That's the North America one between Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Mostly U.S., but they'll throw 10 games each, I think, to the other countries. That's going to be crazy. But 2022, that might be a fucking shit show. They already announced that it's not going to be the the World Cup where they uh, increase the number of teams that are participating because that would be too fucking crazy. Uh, but, yeah, that's going to be problems. That's going to be problems. All right. Let's go over some transfer news. We talk about Neymar going back to, to Barcelona. But I just read a report today that Barcelona doesn't have... Uh, they're not interested in him right now. Even though Paul might want to leave uh, Old Trafford. I don't know if there's that many suitors or people who can afford him at the moment. Or excuse me, Neymar, Neymar. What am I talking about, Pogba? I have Pogba on here for later. Neymar, but Neymar, his whole saga, man, being a freaking prima donna... Going to PSG, um, being injured and whatnot, and just rolling around on the floor on the pitch during the World Cup last year. It's like his his stock has dropped precipitously. I don't know if there's anybody out there who wants to put up with a head case, even though he's really fucking talented like that. There's only a certain number of teams that he could really move on from besides PSG that would present that for him. I don't think he wants to play in England. So it's like... Would he be willing to play on Juve? I don't. I don't see that. So it would only be like Real or Bar- back to Barca, and like I don't. I don't know what the, how that's gonna look for him, man. Things have freaking turned, man, for them. Two hundred and some odd, two hundred twenty million dollars, million euros for the transfer two years ago. Juve. I don't know how that's looking now. Juve. That's a lot of money there for PSG, and still. No, no Champions League. Not even a final. Can you get to the 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 semis at least? Can you get to the last four? We weren't able to get there last year. It was uh, Ajax, Tottenham, Liverpool, and Barca. Coincidentally, who made it? So he's uh, he's gonna have to figure this shit out over at PSG, especially since it looks like Mbappe and still gonna. I don't know. He's more growing to be more the focal point of that that uh, that squad. So I would play through him. Neymar, you gotta you gotta find your way. You gotta learn how to play nice. Because he's been he's been able to get what he wants every part of his career up to this point. So here's the change of pace now. 
All right, we got uh, also Paul Pogba. As I was mentioned before, he's trying to head back to maybe maybe go back to Juve because he's been unhappy over there at Old Trafford in uh, Manchester. We'll see if that happens. That's that would be a huge huge blockbuster if it does. But uh, so far, I don't think that's uh, that has been necessarily the case that he's going to necessarily move. Um, believe we talk about Griezmann going to Barcelona. There's been some other. Um, other world news. Let me see. Champions League. Let's check out some news. Yeah. Uh, Atletico, they put a bid on João Felix from Benfica for 126. Ooh, that's a lot. A lot of euros there. Um, let's see. What's his name? Matthias Delete from Ajax. He's going to Juventus. He, was, he had a very good showing in his... Uh, Champions League rug for this last year. There's a lot of IX players who are going to move on. Let's see. Who else? Who else do we have here? Oh, yeah, we had Eden Hazard. He went to Real Madrid. I think we were talking about that before, last episode. Uh, but, yeah. That's uh, it's a lot big loss for Chelsea because they're on a transfer ban right now. Um, but yeah, Real they just they just keep stepping it up, man. They keep moving. Yeah, so I know Chelsea they were able to to permanently sign uh, Kovacic uh, from Croatia, Mateo Kovacic. He's a good player. I liked him. He was uh, on loan from Real. I think they're gonna keep him full term now. Let's see. I'm just reading through like the, the some of the the, the rumors here. It looks like Lukaku's there's interest from Inter to get him on loan. We'll see if that ends up panning out because his time at Man Man Manchester United has been so so to be honest. Um, let's see. Uh, what else? Um, Arsenal gonna sign Sanatians William Saliba for 25. Looks like uh, Wilfred Zaha has maybe wanted to favor a move to Arsenal. That'll be interesting because um, they still still currently have um, uh, Prince, uh, what is it, uh, Aubameyang. They still have also Alexander Lacazette up there too. So that's uh, it'll be another winger for them. Uh, ooh, 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 damn! So they're thinking maybe moving Pierre Emerick Aubameyang so they can get enough money to to get Zaha. Damn, I don't know if I'd, I'd let him go. He he was tied for the Golden Boot this last year. What um, Aubameyang was? They just got him too. Oh, jeez. Let's see what else do we have here. Um, looks like Tottenham finally spent some money. They got this Leon midfielder Tangi Numbele, sixty-two million euros. So splashing, getting somebody. Say Andre Gomez from Barcelona. He's gonna. Go to Everton full-time. Uh, Lucas Torreira has been linked to AC Milan. Uh, 
yeah, man. Uh, let's see. United is picking up uh, Juan Bissaka from Crystal Palace. Yeah, let's see. There's a lot of shit been going on, man. It's a lot of a lot of moving faces, and we'll see. We'll see what happens there, man. We'll see what the fuck happens there, because there's still all these like international competitions that might have some effect on terms of what teams would be looking for, or who's who's hot and whatnot. So, yeah, the two biggest guys, Neymar and Pogba, I think uh, we'll see what happens there. There's been some moves in terms of the managerial side things. Uh, Mauricio Sarri, he's moving to Juve from Chelsea. Sarri had he won the league his first year, second year last year was not so hot, man, not so hot. And so I think the rumor right now is that maybe Frank Lampard is going to take over at Chelsea since he was the legendary captain there for for a while, anchor the midfield and. He was uh, managing, who was he, man, Aston Villa, I want to say. Or was that John Terry that had Villa? I don't know. He was managing somewhere on lower in a lower division. And, yeah, so now there's a chance that he might might get a chance to manage his former squad. So that's, I'm sure a lot of people in who are supporters of Chelsea are, wouldn't definitely mind that and see how that goes. I'd be willing to go with that experiment because he's a club legend, so... See what happens there. Juve, as we mentioned, they let let uh, Massimiliano Allegri. They let him go, and so sorry, he's the he was the guy who was at Napoli before. Pushed Juve on a couple seasons a few years back. So now he's got the the realms of the old lady, and we'll see how how he does there. You know they're they're looking for Champions League or bust. They've been dominating the Italian league for the last decade, and they they want to move forward. And see what they could do there. I think it was a bit bit of disappointment the fact that they didn't advance last season uh, as well. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens, man. Ajax they they really did it to them. All right, we'll give you a little bit about Gold Cup news. This is a little outside of the competitions, but how about the Cuban captain Yasmani Lopez? He ended up defecting um, in Los Angeles or I guess Pasadena. After they had a 7-0 loss to Mexico in the Gold Cup, they did he did not return with the rest of the team, man, and decided to to come to the U.S. to I don't know maybe play professionally or I don't know what his plans are where he's at now because this happened about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. After the first match of the Gold Cup between the teams uh, between the Cuban uh, delegation, yeah, he decided to up and up and dip out. That's like the one chance that you get if you're a Cuban athlete is whenever you have competitions in other countries abroad. You, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a big network of Cuban immigrants who have like uh, moved on to other countries and other places. So that's uh, we wish all the best for for Yasmani Lopez. I know he's probably getting raked through the coals back in uh, his uh, his home country. Just like an unfortunate scenario and situation they put their uh, their citizens and their athletes in because they're very restrictive in terms of who who can leave and who can't. So, yeah, I guess he's looking for a better life and than what was offered to him in uh, in Cuba, um, his home island there. So that's that's got to be a crazy crazy thought process and decision you have to make because we we've heard these crazy stories from the Cuban baseball players. 
I remember hearing the story from Yoel Romero, how he was like in the wrestling program for the Cubans, and he left, and he uh, defected in Germany, of all places, and and hung out over there for a while, and eventually made his way over to to the U.S. Uh, fighting MMA. Crazy stories. Every single time I hear one, it's just like, my God, I can't imagine having to go through the that craziness. Like what Yasiel Puig did, or he had like to bribe like the cartel members and stuff, man. Or Jose Fernandez, R.I.P. He how he came across on came across on a life raft when he was uh, like a teenager with his mom. Like man, over to Florida trying to make that ninety miles. That's a oof treacherous waters man a lot of people don't make it so he was able to do it i guess in a little bit more safer environment but still politically and socially that's got to be a tough decision to make just gonna you know probably cut all ties with your family at the uh when that happens and yeah just keep moving forward but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens with that man wish him all the best um yeah, we'll move forward, man. Let's talk talk about a little bit of uh, some just like in the news stories stuff that's going on. I don't know if you have you guys seen this, man. OJ Simpson going on Twitter, starting it like with videos and making posts and stuff, man. What could go wrong? Like this whole thing started off super creepy. Back the fact that he was talking about how he's gonna he's gonna like defend himself and like come back for revenge or something well, i can't remember what he said exactly but it's like it's a little off-putting man it's a little off-putting the fact this is a dude who i think everyone in their mom believes killed uh multiple people got off with it and then just like has been has has a has had a crazy life man this fool is out there there's so many he's like it's all the nostalgia shit man he's been coming around and the fact that he made that post on the 25th year anniversary of the murder of uh and nicole brown it's like I think he knows what he's doing, man. Just fucking crazy. Yeah, just trying to get back into the public light. I think he's uh, trying to get find more ways to make some money because he's got people still suing the crap out of him left and right. So he's been hiding out in Florida. I'm pretty sure he's going to be hanging out there for the rest of his time since he's got out of uh, prison. So we'll see. We'll see how how that goes for him. But OJ Simpson on Twitter, man. This is crazy life we live we'll see if he gives uh he said he was gonna give his thoughts on sports and politics and all that stuff too so i know he already said that there was like some buffalo bill player who picked up his jersey number 32 and he said he has no ill will it's just like yeah i'll just go ahead and support him or whatever like i have no problem with them issuing that number so i'm like this is crazy man this is back in the public spotlight people are gonna talk about him incessantly I mean, I'm fucking talking about him right here, man. This dude is uh, probably one of the most well-known figures in from the 90s, good or bad. He's got a crazy story, and y'all seen the documentaries, I'm pretty sure. If you haven't, go watch the one on ESPN. That was a good one. Or the, the FX series with Cuba Gooden Jr. playing him. I thought they were both pretty good, pretty well done. But yeah, man. OJ still got to live with the fact that his dad was a gay man from San Francisco. I still can't believe that was the craziest thing. That made him have a crazy complex for himself. 
Oh, he's like, I ain't black, I ain't OJ. All that shit. Man. All right, we got to go to some unfortunate sad news here. It has been Pride Month uh, throughout the country, and there have been a lot of different Pride celebrations that have happened in the last few weeks. Uh, Los Angeles happened a few weeks ago also. But there was reports that during that time that there were some neo-Nazis at some of the Pride, at the Pride Parade that went on in Detroit about like three weeks ago now. And there was a shooting in D.C. around that same time, too. There was some controversy as to whether the shooting actually did occur. I think most people will agree that it did, but there was reports that the mayor and a lot of the people were were not admitting to the shooting that happened in the crowd. So I think they were trying to calm fears for people, but it just shows, man. I have, like, nothing but, like, uh, peace and love for, for my brothers and sisters in the LGBTQIA community and everybody there. I have no ill will for anyone. Just do be you, and so it's it's a time of celebration for them to kind of acknowledge the fact that you know we haven't they haven't always had the chance to be as expressive as they like, and so now is like a good time, as best of times for them. But regardless, is even when that happens, there's still people who come and and negative things happen from that. So actual neo Nazis, man, that's ridiculous. I will say the the everything that I've seen out here has been pretty peaceful, pretty normal. Um, yeah, I had there were some buddies of mine who actually were in town for uh, for uh, the few days that uh, Pride was here in Los Angeles and West Hollywood. And yeah, um, I was thinking of joining them possibly for like on Sunday, but the the news of the passing of our friend happened that that same morning, so we. Uh, we had to cancel that plans altogether because it's, it's certain things that are a little more important uh, than just, I guess, partying and having a good time. But if if there are, you know, by all means, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life, man. Um, I'll speak for myself, man. I've kind of grown more accustomed or more comfortable with being about uh, um, the LGBT community folks than I than I have been in the past since I've lived here just cuz I think living in like small town or smaller towns it's uh still kind of uh said more of a taboo subject and most people don't want to acknowledge it and like looking back on it some of the, the the people that I knew in high school or whatnot eventually have come out so they uh um have expressed themselves and in, in through online posts or whatnot and so and the, looking back in the past I'm like yeah it's definitely the the signs there of like okay I could have told it or could maybe have a tell that you are maybe not a straight man or woman but it just doesn't matter man like in the in the grand scheme of things it's such a small part of who you are as a person so I've had co-workers in the past that I've worked with people I've come across that I've party with or different uh different acts and what and what have you so it is kind of cool to see that that uh community kind of thrive and flourish amongst themselves um or just among in society as a general it's like the barriers for being um somebody who's uh um of a different sexual orientation than straight then that's uh you know the the doors are more open than ever before like that's a 
I think that has taken less and less consideration into um, opportunities for people now more than ever. And when, with that happening, there's definitely going to be a backlash of people who don't feel comfortable with. Um, but I mean, most people in their families have somebody who is uh, just just by the numbers. Most people have know somebody who is uh, uh, gay or bisexual. So. Or just along the different spectrum of sexualities. That shit gets fucking ridiculous and complicated when we start talking about theories and different subgroups and what have you. So, um, yeah, man, nothing but love and respect. And I just, it's sad to see that you have, like, people who just want to, like, rain on people's parade, literally. And, yeah, just let, just let them be, man. I will say... The way that the freaking LGBT community has, like, co-opted the rainbow flat, like, damn, man. I can't be rock, rock like, I, you know what? I can just, I'm so uh, confident in my sexuality that I kind of just be rocking shit that most people in the past would have been, like, man, you hella sus. And I would have, I think, it, taken notice of that and would have... Uh, not express myself in a certain way or not worn certain clothes and because of that kind of notion or that idea of just like I don't want to be presented as gay but now I'm at the, so much to the point where like I don't give a fuck man <laughs> like, it's just, like it doesn't matter it really doesn't it's like if I want to wear a pink t-shirt I'm going to wear a pink t-shirt I don't give a shit I like the color or if I want to wear like a, a lime green jacket or something then like I really don't give a damn like uh, what people perceive and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, I know who I am. And I've thought about it many times before, man. <laughs> I need to start working some of that stuff out on stage. Because, like, I've... Uh, I think i got a funny bit in the works of uh, being, like, the straight dude who goes to... Who's, who's got to shut up at different gay bars and that experience. <laughs> and, like, uh, different stuff of that nature. Yeah, man. I always thought I've, I've thought like man, this shit would be easier if I was gay. It's like, actually get compliments, get hit on by people and stuff like that. So it's like, but like guys, I guess are the only ones that do doing that shit. I don't know, man. It's it lesbian women. I don't know. It's different. It's different. It'd be different, man. It'd be different. I'd probably could mop up in competition <laughs> if I really wanted it. If I wanted to D instead of the V, but that's not me. That ain't my nature, man. I've thought about it. <laughs> I've thought about it a while. But in any event, we'll move on. We'll move on, man. This was a big, uh, big news story that happened about a week, also about a week ago. Close to $1 billion in cocaine was caught on a shipping container, uh, on a boat, excuse me, it had multiple shipping containers that was docked in Philadelphia. It apparently had traveled, I think, through the Caribbean and was set on its way to Italy or somewhere in Europe uh, before docking in Philly. But they were able; to, they did an inspection and found damn near a billion dollars worth of cocaine on on board. A billion dollars worth of cocaine, and this is only one shipping container. So just think of all the shipping or the the. This is one ship where this happened. Just think of all the different ships that are out there on the sea right now and how many people are smuggling coke in and out of different countries, different ports, and who's getting paid off, and who, you know, who's getting bribed uh, just to pass inspections and whatnot. So it's 
this shows you just how big everything is. This is such a drop in the bucket. One billion dollars, though, is a drop in the bucket in terms of the global drug trade. It's, that's why people are willing to risk their lives and, and uh, murder people and, and do whatever it is to just try to get a piece of that pie, man, because there's so much money and valuation in that stuff, man. It's it's crazy. Like If they were, if they were legalized, man, Colombia would be one of the richest countries in the world. Like, no lie. I think that's part of the reason why it has been uh, been made illegal is because I think the U.S. government realized that and they didn't want another foe to be powerful because of it. I think it's part of the reason why they controlled the, the, the opium trade in the Middle East, man. All these poppy fields getting protected by, like, all these uh, U.S. military members and stuff. Making Fox News, Geraldo Rivera showing them up on live on TV. Oh, man. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. One billion dollars, man. There's gonna be a lot of coke fiends gonna be upset, man, because they gotta hit up their their second or third freaking dealers. So their main dude be out, man. We got busted. That's just a price doing business, man. Yeah, there's definitely heads are gonna be rolling after that stuff, because when anytime you're a capo, if you're a big player in the drug game and shit goes south, like people, there's gonna be. Uh, consequences and retributions, man. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some definite action coming against you. So we'll see how that happens. Mm. Philadelphia. Man of the free. Oof, 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 oof. That's a shit ton of cocaine, man. That's more cocaine than freaking... Uh, uh, Bobby Brown and Mike Tyson be doing in the 90s, dog. That shit is more cocaine than Rick James was smoking in the 80s. Richard Pryor. More cocaine than freaking Whitney Houston be doing. R.I.P. to her. And then she had in her system. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. That's like more, that's like as much cocaine as you can fucking, you know, stack that shit all the way up to the Appalachian Mountains, man. That shit is crazy. You got another term for hitting the slopes, man. Hitting the powder, hitting the yarra, that yola, that yayo, man. That chowder, all that shit, man. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, 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 mm. Playing with snow, man. It's another term for playing with snow. Ooh, all that blow came, man. That's so much shit. I think I dropped like 10 different Coke references there, but it's all good. It's all good. Oof. So. Damn, just a, that's a that's honest to God a drop in the bucket. One billion dollars is a drop in the bucket. People don't realize that. That's how fucking crazy this shit is. Oh, and how crazy prices get when you export it and you get into other parts of the world, man. I hear Coke in certain parts of Asia is super expensive. I heard Coke in certain parts of Europe is super expensive too, man. I'm like shit. So. I have not partaken in said parts of the world. I've never been to said parts of the world. So if I do, I'll update y'all. <laughs> All right. All right. Like I said before, man, we'll get back to this DR stuff, man. There's been a lot of killings, a lot of people getting sick at these resorts, man. Aside from the fact that Big Poppy's been getting shot up, there's been, uh, I know there was two American tourists in particular who got themselves sick. And at the same resort, I think they said they were drinking at a mini bar. They, they, they passed away, I should say. Um, 
one person I think passed away in the U.S. on the flight back after getting sick, and the other person I think passed away in Dominican at one of their hotels, or not hotels, one of their hospitals. So I don't think they have like the what's 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 necessary. Um, maybe they might not have enough medicine or aid quick enough to help these people, man. But there was uh, a bunch more that got sick at this. this there was like one particular resort. There was also, uh, I think, two different crews of people who were uh, on vacation on, like, cruise ships that also got, like, deep sicknesses. So I think somebody's, like, messing with, like, the alcohol supply that they had there because the reports for the hotel was that they were drinking out of the mini bar, And I think also for, like, the people who were on the, the boats, too, something similar. Yeah, I think this is just a couple people just, like, getting mad and drugging up the fucking residents and stuff. And so this is going to fuck with their tourism economy. It's like, shit, it's been getting too real in Dominican, man. It's too real in the field. I don't know who's going to be visiting as much nowadays. Man, you probably have cheap-ass flights. Who the hell was talking about this? Uh, Brian Callen was talking to Will Sasso on his show about this shit. And they're looking up, like, flights... Uh, prices for resort stays man but yeah a lot of people have been getting sick out there um so safe travels man Just be freaking careful be on alert buy your own shit i would say from the store make sure nobody's like tampered with it if you can speak in the native tongue because you won't get your ass ripped off as much you probably will because you probably have an accent anyway like if i go to dominican and start speaking like they know they know I ain't from the DR. They got really thick accent. Real Caribbean accent and shit. And no soy mexicano. Es un poquito diferente. Hablamos más despacio aquí. Como este, este ritmo. ¿Me entiendes? And in comparación. Estamos aquí, americano. ¿Cómo te va, amigo? ¿Vas a comer eso o qué? It's like, they talk way faster. And they like be like putting the words together and shit. Acá me va a tirar la tuela, nomás. Un poquito plano ahí, sí. Al lado. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm just like, start mumbling shit. So it's talking like Bad Bunny. He's from the PR, not the DR, though. But it's hard for me to, like, differentiate to it's a Caribbean kind of style. They do have differences, though, for sure, for sure. They'll tell you what the differences are. <laughs> I ain't going to be that dude. I, I, I haven't grown up with enough uh, 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 Puerto Ricanos or Dominicanos or Cubanos, really. I haven't grown up with too many of them. But I know, I know generally. I know generally. I'll be listening to music and shit. I'll be watching sports and shit. <laughs> I'll be hearing how people talk. Um, so, yeah, man. Safe travels to anybody who's going to the Caribbean. Uh, shout out to my family, my my cousins, uh, the Martinez's. Is, they took a trip out to to Mexico recently. I think some of them I think they're just just getting back. I know uh, one of my cousins had to get back earlier. She flew out with her her mom, my godmother. Yeah, they're visiting uh, our family's house in uh, Michoacan. They also went to. Uh, Los, Los Pirámides They went to DF A lot of different places So I've been following along on Instagram So shout out to Annalise, Adriana Alex as well I don't think he's been posting But he's been uh, he's been there He was on the trip So And then my my uh, 
um, mis padrinos, Alex y Nati. Shout out to them as well. My godparents. I love them. Love them, love them, love them. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really jealous. It makes me want to have go, to go do the same trip. Maybe do one with our cousins. That would be really fun. Be like seven of us. That would be cool. So, yeah, that's uh, be careful when you travel, man, pretty much. And kind of on my last note, I think this is something that just, you know, the talk of the time currently. But I will start with this one. Trump on a tweet saying that he was going to deport millions of more people. Yeah, man, like this whole this whole border situation just keeps escalating. It's crazier and crazier. Things have not changed even after the fact that a lot of the injustices have been exposed through media, um, through per- first-hand accounts. There's like more and more tragic s- scenarios that happen day after day. I've heard stories of like um, a two-month-old child getting separated from the family and and for like over a year not being able to be reunited with them. That's sad. It's like a certain facility that like cannot, doesn't have the means to take care of the child, but they've been doing their best to do so. And it's like the the father got taken from a facility in Texas, I think, and transferred to one in like Michigan or Indiana. So it's it's like unnecessary like suffering that they they've been putting on these these people. Like, all right, you have to um, stop them at the border. I understand that, but man, you could. If you're gonna, if those are the conditions that you're gonna put them in, that's like subhuman, man. There's been reports of like cells that are designed for 30 people having over 70 people, no cots, people sleeping on cold cement floors, and lack of food, like edible food, lack of privacy, um, like in terms of like doing your business, going to the restroom and shit like that. Like that is, that's inhumane, man. It's sad. It's very sad. The conditions that they've uh, they put people in, um, yeah. There's been court orders for people to like improve conditions, and it's still nothing wants to change because the the order from the the top down is, I think, to be as cruel as possible to try to deter people from coming. But it's like that's not going to be enough to stop. We see there was a, a picture that went viral just a few days ago of both the the corpses of both the father and his son. They were found drowned in the, I think, the Rio Grande or, like, one of the rivers there on the border. Mm. And it just goes to show you, like, the, the lengths and extremes that people are going to go to just to try to to make it into this country and get a chance. So there's, uh, yeah, man, it's sad. And, man, there's a lot that goes into it, too, because it's, the people who come from Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, like they, they suffer throughout the trip, all the way through Mexico. If they get the chance to enter, then then it's, they suffer here also too. It's just like making that decision to just make that change in your life is is such a it's such a huge decision that doesn't affect just yourself; it affects generations forward. It affects everyone that you know. And a lot of times they're fleeing violence, like we've talked about before. It's just that cycle of violence. And mm, it's a rough one, man. It's a rough one. I understand you can't open the borders to everybody. And you can't you can't just let everyone in. 
but there's got to be a better there is a better way to to have this process come forward there's reason people don't haven't had uh haven't gone through like the legal ways to becoming a citizen because it's it's burdensome and it takes i think i read seven years at the least to actually process through people don't have that time man people do not have that time so I understand why they would go throughout the legal routes, uh, the illegal routes, I should say, and then just trying to figure it out from there. It's uh, it's a tough one, man. It's like you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. So you might as well try it, but it's it's a brutal and punishing experience for a lot of these people, man. I don't I don't wish those struggles on anybody. It's it's a it's a hell of a journey, man. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's I have a lot of sympathy for people who have to leave these these dire situations and what have you. Because I mean, for my family, speaking personal experience, like for us, it's a little the scenario is a little different. Because at the time, on my dad's side at least, there was still a government-sponsored guest worker program called the Bracero program that they they came he came into the country through. My grandpa on the other side, he didn't he didn't go through that route, so he kept his nose down, worked hard, and got himself into business. Eventually, was able to get amnesty from during the Reagan administration, which is I think one of the olive branches that they gave towards the more conservative Latinos who are business minded, like my grandpa was. So something you don't see in politics nowadays. They don't want to give you an olive branch to a certain constituents. Mm. It's it's a sad scenario. It's it's a rough situation that is these people are going through and I've nothing but sympathy for them, man. It's it's a tough one. It's tough. You like you don't have to be separating families like that. You could definitely uh have better conditions man they want to they're trying to um what's the word i'm looking for not lowball them but uh um they're doing the minimum they're doing the minimum they're doing less than the minimum currently it's like no compassion no no thought for these people wall or no wall it's like it's crazy they think the wall is going to stop people from coming in. It's just, you're out of your mind. You think the wall is going to stop drugs from coming in. You're really out of your mind. Most of the drugs that come in come through legal ports of entry, being snuck in. And the ones that don't, they have tunnels. They have drones. They have catapults. They have ramps for cars to jump over fences. Like, it's, it's crazy. The ingenuity just keeps going higher and higher and higher every single time. More barriers get brought up because it's worth it for them to put that investment in to get it over. Because as we mentioned before, the profits are crazy. The potential profits are insane. So of course people are going to be willing to risk their lives, risk their safety, their health, their livelihood, risk other people's lives innocent people's lives 
they're willing to put all that on the line just for the, the, the that almighty dollar, man. It's a sad, sad state we're in right now. It's just things get so hyped up politically one way or the other. Because, like, to be frank with you, man, like, Obama's policies weren't the, weren't the best in terms of immigrants as well. There was a lot of bullshit that happened with the FBI and the CIA during Obama's term in terms of the, the war on drugs and how they, and they handled the cartels. And now it's, like, it's crazier. Because, like, Mexico's kind of responded by hiring even a more left president. It's kind of looked the other way. But then we have uh, a more right-leaning uh, administration in place right now in the U.S., that is just like coming down on people and the thing is though too it's like a lot of these citizens like i said are not even from mexico they're from the uh central america central american countries so yeah man i've it's a it's a complicated issue but we gotta have like their humanity and that kind of lead lead us to to some right decisions and I feel like we're la- lacking that uh, empathy at certain points. I mean, everything's just getting politicized in, in society now, and it's it's hard for this to to not. When you got Trump holding rallies on the border and hate crimes against uh, uh, immigrants has risen, hate crimes against a lot of different minorities has risen against uh, the Jewish communities, the Muslim communities. We've seen against some of the LGBT communities, there's been some hate. There's been hate directed towards the Latino communities for sure. So it's, yeah, man, this is a great country, but it's not a perfect country. So it's something that we could, we need to work on and we need to move forward with. We need to come to the realization and understanding that we have way more in common than we don't differences. All right. So that's, uh, that's one of my underlying themes that, that I try to give and try to nuggets of information and nuggets of knowledge, something to chew on. That's always one thing that I always like to bring up because it's, it's true, man. It's true. If you look in the positions of people coming over, just an average American citizen, they all want the same thing, man. You're going to sell this as a land of milk and honey, then people don't be surprised when people try to get in. Right? I mean, they're not exposed to what the the nastiness of what this country offers because it's it's good, but there's, there's nothing's perfect, man. There's gonna be bad situations that happen, man. Capitalism, the way that we have it run in this country, leaves certain people to the side, and I mean, sim- similar to the way socialism does, there's certain people who can't thrive in that that environment. So no system is perfect. We just gotta have gotta figure out a way to kind of make it a hybrid of some sorts, and yeah allow people to be successful but also allow uh provide opportunities for people not to be failures i should say it's a very difficult concept and ideas for to kind of keep in hand but it's it's something that has to be a yin and yang it has to be some balance there yeah so that goes on on a lot of different topics though there's there's got to be some balance man you can't have it too much one way or too much of the other way. Which makes things nowadays in the political environment super crazy, man. Because 
there's a, a a widening lack of middle ground that happens there between between sides. So it's frustrating. It's unfortunate, man. I think it's kind of leaning towards the fact that things are just going to get more radical and more radical. So we'll see. We'll see what happens um, moving forward. But yeah, man. I don't know, deporting all these people, it's not... First off, I don't know how the the legality of, like, having all these numbers, which in the past hasn't stopped the government from doing so anyway. We have, like, the 30s and the 50s where the repatriation happened. Took some a lot of people who they thought were Mexican citizens, a lot of them who were actually American citizens and got deported to Mexico. It's like there's a lot of, like... Uh, veterans who live in Tijuana because they got deported even though they may have like participated in the military and have been in the country most of their lives since they were really young and a lot of them don't even know Spanish or know very little Spanish so it's a crazy world we live in man crazy crazy world and I think I talked about this before but we're like not all migrants are nice either, too, man. Like, sometimes they're just... Some people are just taking advantage of the situation and are not respectful of like, what's going on. Kind of what I heard from... Um, um, what's his name? The guy who was on the Rogan podcast. Um... What's his name? It's like Ed's Manifesto. This is, uh... Uh... What the hell is this fool's name? Um... Damn. This dude has a... Fucking shit ton of Instagram posts, my god. Oh, Jesus. Ed's manifesto on Instagram. Ed Calderon. That's his name, Ed Calderon. Um, Ed's manifesto on Instagram that uh, a dude provided a lot of insight there what's going on in, at least in Tijuana he had a uh, he had a lot of information involving like uh, um, the migrants kind of being not uh, willing to assimilate into like the local Tijuana culture and they were just they were refusing a lot of help and they're being disruptive and kind of being crazy. Mm. Anyway, this world is crazy, man, and I, I hope things change for the better. And I don't know how that's going to... Uh, happen anyway because it's uh, 
It's a violent world, man. It's a violent, violent world. And there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of misinformation going on out there. Things are getting crazy. People dressed up as the cops. The cops dressed up as, as narcos. Sicarios. Oof. Oof, oof, oof. A lot of crazy shit going on in this world, man. Pretty crazy. Mm, 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 mm. Damn, this dude has a shit ton of Instagram posts. Means. Uh, anyway, I think it's time to wrap this shit up. It's been a long one. It's it's literally been over a week. Mm, mm, mm. Damn. I wonder what number MJ's uh, LeBron's gonna wear now that he's given up twenty three. Alrighty, but yeah, we started this uh, started this shit last week, and now it's this week, so it's June twenty seventh. Uh, I guess think just some thoughts in closing, man. Just be nice, be kind, appreciate every moment, appreciate every moment you got because you don't know what when it's gonna be the last one. Um, you gotta, ah, man, it's tough. Say, love, say, I love you to the people you do love. Say it to your friends, say it to your family, say it to your doorman, I don't know, your mailman, whoever. Cause that might be the last opportunity you get. And we love you, Cap, and... It's been a rough couple weeks just trying to deal with the loss uh, without you. Man. A lot of, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of roller coasters in life, man. There's going to be good things that happen to you. There's going to be bad things that happen to you for sure. So it's kind of what I've uh, thought that I've been thinking about recently. Is how some people, have their perspective on life is sometimes they only look at the, um, like, because it's kind of like a wave. It goes up and down, right? Some people, they value their life as they look at the bottoms. They just look at all the bottoms, and that's what they give the most value to. Other people, they they only look at the, the peaks. They look at the peaks and at the valleys, and that's what they compare their life to. And then there's, like, I think most people, as we kind of take a, a composite of what's in the middle and what the average might be and what the mean and some people look at it maybe sometimes the median, what happens most often. So sometimes the median is going to be a little lower than than uh, the mean. But then that, that means maybe your peaks are, are higher than other people's. So some people go up and down. Other people, it's, it's more of a consistent tide. And that mean and median are pretty pretty solid. So it's just, it's all about perspective. No life, no two lives are different, so... It's it's hard, but we're we're human beings, and we like to compare each other, compare ourselves to each other. But it's a uh, it's a futile effort a lot of times. It's it's not something that uh, comes back with great results. I'd say, at least mentally, in that aspect of it. So yeah, appreciate everything you got. Everything's a, a blessing. You wake up today, that's a blessing. You open your eyes, you got to smell the air, smell the whatever is going on. You see the sun, the brightness, 
You hear the birds chirping. You hear the sirens going by. You hear the cars going to work. All that stuff, man. Like, this is a strange world we live in, man. And if you go around look, trying to find too many answers, you're not going to enjoy it while it's here. So it's kind of the the tough thing, the, the thing that I've been kind of dealing with. It's like you can spend all day thinking about and contemplating about theories about what it, why things are, why things could be, or how they are, or how things could change. Or you can just go out and actually do stuff and have an effect that way. And so I've been trying to trying to do more of the latter because I've been realizing that everyone's lifespan is such a blip on the total um, existence of uh, of everything of life of substance anything in the universe it's, it's just a it's just a blip a small blip so I've been trying not to say like, what if as much and just, just go out and do it's difficult due to some other current outstanding circumstances, but I've been trying to do it as much as possible, trying to meet up with friends, do all that stuff. And With that said, man, I'm going to continue with this comedy stuff. I'm going to continue with this, uh, kind of continue trying to do this DJ stuff. And If you're available, once again, please, please try to come out and support the crew. Uh, first free show of the month, crew. Uh, they've been putting on shows for a while now. The After this show, for this month... The following month will be their one-year anniversary, so they're trying to have a big, big event and do all that stuff because uh, it's, uh, oh, man. So, yeah, the July 1st, and so the August 1st show, that'll be, like, on a Thursday. And, yeah, that should be uh, that should be a fun get, man. Um, come hear me talk about crazy shit. I don't know what set I'm going to do. I might be talking about Top Hat Jones, our uh, local crackhead on the corner. Or I might be talking about my Coachella trip. It's going to be one or the other. Um, probably going to talk about some uh, Andy Ruiz talk. So that one's gone not too bad. And I might bring up Cejudo. I don't know. I don't know, man. Anyway, you know, Latinos, they talk about a lot of bad stuff about us in the media. But, we, we you know, it's a good time, too. It's a good time. You just got to look at it in a certain light. We got some... Uh, some new heroes for in the sporting world i'd say in the last uh last year or so uh so yeah man i'll be doing some sets i'll be playing some music in between and after the show so stick around come through have a beer man have a good time this is gonna be the this is the first show that i'm on a poster for on a lineup so that's uh that's exciting man first and hopefully uh won't be the last Looking for some more more work, man. If you a comedy comedian out there. If you're on the Lee Syatt Podcast Clubhouse Network. Uh, once I get uh, some financial setup, I'm about to be joining that shit. So if you're on there, you need an interview, man, let me know. I'm down to talk to some more folks. We got kind of bare bones uh, productions at the moment. But we'll, we'll, get, we'll step it up, man. We on our way. On to bigger, better things, man. Appreciate every moment. That's their final thought here. Alright, cool. Because this has been episode number 55 of the Puro Caballero Show. And yeah, that's about it, man. Follow along. 
all the different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Like, follow along wherever you can find podcasts. This is the Puro Caballero Show. We are on some socials. I, myself, and on uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Puro Caballero, P-U-R-O-C-A-B-A-L-L-E-R-O for all you gringos, okay? It's the Puro Caballero Show, also on Instagram. That one is going to be fixed this weekend. It is on my to-do list, big, big time. And, yeah, uh, we'll get the website, new logo, all that stuff up and running uh, at some point soon. Uh, my homie Mark, he's gonna he's gone for a minute, so we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk a little later. All right. It's been a long-ass episode. It's been a long-ass break, but it's been a long-ass uh, couple weeks for me personally. So you just got to keep riding that roller coaster, man. There are going to be downs, but you just got to wait to the ups, man. Enjoy it while you're there and appreciate appreciate the ups while you're doing it, having the downs. and um, Yeah, man. It's a tough one. But appreciate every moment. This has been episode five. And to close things off, this is going to be a song that's uh, going to be a tough one for me to to kind of get through. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just going to say that uh, um, this was the last song that I kind of remember Cat by because... She had like a stick on her water bottle of uh, Prime Missy Elliott when she was wearing like the big old suit, and uh, the and the, I can't stand the Ray music video. So that's what I remember, and so we'll close it off with a little bit of Missy here. R.I.P. Cap, we love you. May your soul rest in peace, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody, say. Tell your loved ones that you love them, man, while you can. All right. This has been episode 55. Once again, this is your host, the mellow man, Mario himself, a.k.a. Mestizo Rio, a.k.a. The Masapan Don, the Menudo Mogul. This has been your host, Mario Caballero, signing off. Till next time. Peace.